You guys know that song by uh, Green Day, Wake Me Up When September Ends, right? Yep. And I know that that song, uh, I don't know if you know or not, but it's it's actually about the, the passing of his father. So, I mean, I I understand the significance of it, and I'm not making light of that. But I honestly, doesn't everybody agree that <laughs> – Aside from the sentimental meaning of the song, the song literally should be Wake Me Up When January Ends. The worst month is behind us. We did it. Everything about it sucks, right? It's gray. It's cold. Except for the first. That's okay. There's, I mean, you've got, you know, obviously the the NFL playoffs, I guess, but it just is literally, it's a 90-day month and it's over with. And what better way to start a new month, turn over a new page, turn a new leaf than the symbolism of the sports world in Indianapolis in terms of its basketball teams today with the sun, right? If you're a Purdue fan, sun shined on you last night at Mackey Arena. And even though I know there was the big storyline is obviously the foul discrepancies. Northwestern coming in second in the country in fouls committed, if I'm not mistaken, in college basketball. I thought I had read that. Or free throws against them, something along those lines. But... um you know, when it came down to it, I, I I get the narrative of like, well, what do you, you know, because Doug Gottlieb, Doug Gottlieb sent out a video of, you know, saying, what are you supposed to do if this is a foul against Zach Eadie? That's the point. I, I mean, you know, if Allen Iverson's like, well, look at that crossover dribble, like other than reaching in and slapping at him, how are you supposed to guard it? Well, you can't. That's why it's Allen Iverson. And when you have a seven foot four guy that's agile and knows his way around the lane, that's the point. It's really hard to guard. That's why he's about to become a two-time national player of the year. Indiana State last night, the trees. How about Indiana State, man? 19-3, and three, I decided today to wear the Sycamore shirt just to give them a little bit of love on what they've done first in the Moval. And they are rolling. They're absolutely rolling, is Indiana State. And then, of course, Indiana coming off of their win over Iowa. They've got Penn State coming up on Saturday. And the Pacers in action tonight against the New York Knicks. And then back tomorrow night against the Sacramento Kings. And, yes, the Pacers coming off a loss. But the sun shines on the Pacers today because Ben Shepard, who has been a great story for them, starting on January the 15th, Ben Shepard had never played more than 16 minutes in an NBA game. And since then, he's averaging nearly 18 minutes a game. In the rotation now, high-energy guy. And Eddie Garrison dipping into his Rolodex and lining up for us, Ben Shepard, who's going to call the program here in just about 10 or 15 minutes, right? And we will be talking with him. I know it's an Indiana State polo, and this is bad for the audio audience, but with some of the lighting, when I look over at the monitor, and maybe it doesn't look like this on the YouTube chat, it looks kind of purple. Really? Yeah. Well, maybe it's but, but but it's bright royal blue clear as if day was, next to me. If it's any more purple, I'd get a foul called for on Zach Eady. Exactly. Right? That's what I was going for. Chris Collins not happy last night. No, he was not. And I'm not going to rank it as an all-time ejection, but it just made me chuckle him losing his mind, players and assistant coaches trying to pull it back, but then he has the wherewithal to go shake Matt Painter's hand, go tap Zach Eady on the chest, tell him he played a great game, and then leave. Now, speaking of Matt Painter, he is going to join JMV today at 4 o'clock. I think JMV would like to ask him about that foul discrepancy with Northwestern last night. Chris Collins was not pleased about it, and Matt Painter with JMV 
4 o'clock today. We got a big one lined up. Ben Shepard going to join us. Coming up, as I mentioned, about 10 minutes from now. Former Butler guard Shelvin Mack at 1 o'clock. Uh, Bulldogs got a big one coming up as well, right, Jimmy? On the road at Creighton. Butler is in the mix in the top 50 in the country in terms of net ranking with plenty of significant signature win opportunities available to them in the Big East, both at home and on the road still this year. This is one where they're going to be, pardon the pun, underdogs going into Creighton. But if you steal a win there, you're further adding to this resume where we've talked with national pundits on Butler, and the thought is that they're probably a year away, but then you get further and further into the calendar, and maybe it's not. Maybe it is a full-scale turnaround by what that mod is building there. They have everything in front of them and have a really strong opportunity to get into the big dance by the time we're talking about it here in a month. I had to go to the airport this morning. And I was driving back. I came in, so I'm coming in off 70 through downtown. Did to you go shoot hoops? Parking garage. You know what? I didn't get out and go into the airport. I dropped somebody off. You can't shoot hoops in there, though, right? I'll look at you with your chai tea. Correct. Right? There, there is signage. No shooting? Yeah. Can you walk across the floor? I believe so. Or do you have to walk around it? I like to imagine. I haven't been there since the thing's been up. We're but- talking for those that are unfamiliar about the fact that at the Indianapolis International Airport, because the All-Star game is here, they have a full-court basketball court in the main atrium of the airport. I like to imagine there is a security guard just walking the perimeter That's right. at all times. And his one objective every day is wave I'm going to make I'm, that wave it off or I'm going to have an open field tackle. If it, yeah. it's simulating a fan running onto the court, I'm going to be there. The second I see a basketball trying to drive in for a I mean, it's a layup. pretty good-looking court, right? It's beautiful. Now, and, and, top, and a tip of the cap as well to Indianapolis International and the Pacers and all that were involved with that idea because I feel like you see the INDY sign all the time where you can make your you know hands into an eye and take pictures. Those type of social elements or those like pop-up advertisements are very unique and should be taken advantage of. We see it all the time with the Indy cars all over the airport. When we're counting down to the 500, another ingenious idea. I like the court there. I do. Here's the only concerns the wrong word, but observation I had. About the court? No. Okay. As I was driving back from the airport, I came in from the south side of downtown into our building, which is here on Monument Circle, and I was turning off of Maryland and onto Illinois. So when I looked up at the street sign, just out of curiosity, I was turning off of, and I think I'm probably going to mix up the, the names here, but off of like New Orleans Pelicans Avenue and onto, I think, Washington Wizards Road. I was whatever. wondering when we were going to bring this up. Now, now my question is this. I think it's very cool. They do the same thing every year for the Indy 500 yep. and for the, you know, the, the month of May, but my only, you know, my question here, right? Does it confuse drivers or out of towners? If you're, if you, if you are from out of town, okay, and you, you're from out of town and you are staying at, I don't know, the Hyatt or the JW or wherever it might be, and you're walking to Mass Ave and you're following on your phone and it says like take a left up here on Delaware, and the Delaware street sign is now covered and says Atlanta Hawks Boulevard. You're assuming, I mean, the you know, the, your phone is going to tell you, I guess, that's the street. But, or if you are, you know, you're looking for an address and it says it's on such and such street and, and it's temporarily renamed, does that confuse people? That's, but that's one of the logistics about the change of downtown here for the All Star Game as the city retransforms or or transforms, I guess itself into an NBA town. And one of the guys that is 
in charge of everything that's going to be taking place. Joey Graziano. Joey Graziano, the NBA head of event strategy and management, going to join us coming up on the show today uh, just about an hour from now to kind of give us a rundown of what's going to happen to the city of Indianapolis. Then Tony East joins us and Anthony Leal, who was, of course, the star for Indiana as they defeated Iowa, a guy that has just kind of waited his time, waited his turn. Finally, his number's called. He goes in. I think there are a lot of people as Indiana has been in dire need of outside shooting, Anthony Leal finally gets his opportunity. He's going to join us at 2.30 today. So I look forward to that conversation um, to just kind of find out the mindset, Jimmy, right? Yeah, I mean, he's gone through a ton of adversity. He's gone through a coaching change. He was unknown of when minutes were going to arrive, when he was going to get his opportunity. And again, this isn't utilized to bash those that, that do transfer because it's there for you. And if that's what you feel like is the right choice, then by all means, go ahead. But the idea that he would have, which makes sense as a Bloomington native, he would have that type of love, that affinity to realize that dream of being a part of Indiana basketball and waiting his turn for it to arrive and then cashing in when it does is a great story. And I'm, I'm fascinated to get his perspective on that. Uh, Jimmy, you did what last night? Anything? Nothing too exciting uh, other than end of that Purdue-Northwestern game. He caught all of it, but Northwestern gets a shot at the end. Boo Booey's jumper short and then... Purdue's just way too much in overtime. Jake, I know we're going to get into this later in the show, but there's enough, and I want to dive into it later, there's enough from what Purdue has experienced, not just their going away wins, but their late, gritty game victories to not only praise the growth they've had from a year ago, but the fact that they have late game, tough, grinded out clutch moments to go along with a season where they can win by 20 on one night, or they can win by two or three another night. Like They have enough balance to where... Not just the experience of heartbreak a year ago, but they are so deep, not just from talent, but what they have experienced as a unit, that they are rightfully so, if you're not already on board, one of the best teams in the country. I think one thing that is still a concern if you are a fan of Purdue, and I do agree that that some of the areas, and I know it's unfair, it's unfair when a team is on a, a destiny course here to be the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament and has clearly the best resume in college basketball. They have the best player in college basketball. They have as good a balance as anybody in college basketball. There's a lot to love about what Purdue has done. The one thing that, the last thing, I guess, the last question to be answered for Purdue. If you look back at a year ago when they lost to Fairleigh Dickinson to open the NCAA tournament, the questions that we had about Purdue, the you know, can can Fletcher lawyer, you know, did he break down and kind of hit a wall as a freshman? Well, they've gone out now and they've gotten other players that can score from the wing that have have lightened the load a little bit for him. Braden Smith has grown up and become a more heady player. They they have even more athleticism off the bench and guys, you know, more weapons that can shoot from the outside. And then, of course, you know about Zach Eady. The one thing, Jimmy, that Purdue yet is the question to be answered is with the way the Big Ten officiates games and with the calls that Purdue gets throughout the course of a game, which are within the scope of the way the Big Ten is called. I don't think there's favoritism towards Purdue. I don't. I think Zach Eady's an immovable force. And that is a challenge. And the Big Ten calls it a certain way that is advantageous towards getting Zach Eady to the free throw line. Last night he missed you know, a hand, a ton of free throws, but 
um, still had 30 and 15. But the way that games are called as it right now is is advantageous to Purdue, is that how games are going to be called for them in the NCAA tournament? And if it's not, and if things are looser and people are allowed more physicality against Purdue, how does Purdue adjust to that? And it's difficult to know that if now they have gone out pre-conference when they weren't playing in Big Ten games and taking care of business against everybody, right? I mean, essentially. But that's the one thing we don't know is what happens in terms of the way they respond to a different way that the game is called. And that's been a boogaboo, not just for Purdue, but for the entire conference, truth be told, across the Big Ten. Yeah, it's why there's been that drought since 2000, right? Since Michigan State winning the national title. And yes, there's been teams that have made deep runs since then, but the Zach Eady effect, and we'll get into this later, revolves around a figure that size. How do you officiate him? Right. How will that change in the tournament is a fascinating aspect to look out for, for sure. You know, that's the... The other stuff, just in terms of the way that they responded, I think you made a really good point there, Jimmy. There are often times that teams get into situations where late in games in the tournament, it, it it's buckle-down time, and they've never been in that situation. And, and all of a sudden, when it's pucker time for everybody on the floor, the underdog team is used to it. And the team that's the favorite has never been in that scenario. You know... I'm going on the way back here, but the first game that comes to mind to me, just in the example I'm trying to create, and I know there have been a thousand since then, but in the 91 Final Four, which was here in Indianapolis, that Vegas team, UNLV was was so head and shoulders above everybody else. And when that game came, came down to the wire and, you know, all the allegations about Larry Johnson and Anderson Hunt and the, the, the crazy, you know, passing the ball and going to Anderson Hunt for like a 9,000-foot jump shot at the buzzer, but – is much of that, I think, was the fact that UNLV just didn't know how to handle that situation. They were completely foreign to trying to put up with what it was that was before them because they'd never been in that situation. So for Purdue to have games like that where you've got to kind of and, – and listen, credit to Northwestern as well because the, the, the free throw disparity was massive, no question. But Northwestern still made shots. Those guys – I mean, they hit 14 threes, Jimmy – and they answered a lot of runs, including in the extra session, when the the place is going bonkers and Edie's got back-to-back dunks, and yet Northwestern is still able to kind of steady the ship a little, or excuse me, Purdue is able to steady the ship off of that, and Northwestern came back several times and, and, and answered, but I thought... You are correct for Purdue to be able to to respond to Northwestern's response, and kudos to Northwestern for the responses. But to me, that was really, really big. And you've seen it a couple times already this season. You saw it against Tennessee. You saw it against Marquette. You saw it again last night against Northwestern. That is continuing to harden this Boilermaker team to where you would expect them to respond in a positive manner to any situation that's presented to them moving forward. I'd like to know this. How many guys in the NBA are rocking just a mustache? No goatee, no beard, just mustache. Do we know? There, there was. There's an Indy 500 that we have on tape from like the 30s, where one of the drivers is re- referred to as the mustachioed whiz. And I think for the Indiana Pacers, the guy that joins us on the program now, we should refer to as the mustachioed whiz. I guess mustached <laughs> whiz is fine. But Ben Shepard, is that cool with you, Ben Shepard? Mustachioed whiz. Yes, sir. <laughs> hey, man. I guess if you listen. 
you're playing your way into regular rotation in the NBA, you'll probably for now take whatever nickname comes your way, right? Congratulations on, um, you know, kind of this this settling in, if you will, as uh, you guys get set for New York. But let's go back to this, Ben Shepard, to begin the show. And thanks for joining us, by the way. Um, no problem. So January 15th, I don't know if that name, if that that date means anything to you, Ben Shepard, January 15th, but Prior to January 15th, I think the most minutes you had logged in an NBA game is 16 or was 16. And since that date, you're averaging 18 minutes a game. You were a steady part of the rotation. That was where the flip, the, the switch was flipped, I guess I'd say. What's been the difference for you? Um, I mean, just people started going down on our team. Um, a lot of injuries happened, and um, I guess I got my chance, and um I guess I'm being like forced to be on the court now just with my hard play and my defense and stuff like that. But um, yeah, definitely happy with how things are going right now. But um, yeah, obviously more work to do, but it's definitely been fun. You know, here's the reality, Ben. It's not about like situations that present for players. It's about how you respond to them. And you know what I mean? And so how when when the number was called and it's your turn to go out there and play be honest with me man like were you nervous about it did you think about it or all of a sudden did you just wake up and go oh wow like I'm in the rotation here this is cool yeah um it was definitely surprising but um I've been ready I'm uh staying ready I've been staying ready since the beginning of the season whenever my name was called whether that was late game at the end of the game when we're up by 20 or if coach wants to put me in for like a minute or whatever, but uh, yeah, just staying ready physically and mentally on the bench and just cheering on my teammates and getting myself into the game any way I can. So uh, yeah, just staying ready at all times. Ben Shepard is our guest. Ben, you and fellow rookie Jarris Walker have spent time, especially in the early goings of the season down in the G league with the Indiana Mad Ants. How instrumental has Coach Hankins and everything that they do down there been to keeping you fresh and keeping you experienced to the point that when your number was ultimately called, you were able to rise to the occasion? Yeah, I think uh, those games have definitely been good for me and Jairus's development. And um, it's especially easier when all the players are wel- welcoming and the coaches run the same stuff that the Pacers do. So it's like kind of easy transitioning from playing with the Mad Ants and then playing with the big team. So, uh, yeah, it's been good. So I want to go back here, and there's a reason I'm going to do it in this order here. Ben Shepard of the Pacers, our guest. Um, you were in high school in in the Atlanta area. You went to a high school where you had success as a team and a high school that had produced NBA players, notably Malcolm Brogdon. And then you yeah. go to Belmont. What other schools – like when you chose Belmont, you chose Belmont over which other programs? Um, so I had a lot of Ivy League offers, um, small mid-major, OBC, Missouri Valley schools, um, no in-state schools in Georgia recruited me. So I was thinking about going to University of Pennsylvania and then Coach Bird, uh, I don't know if you guys know about him, but he's like a Hall of Fame college basketball coach. He came in late and was just like, I think you need to be at Belmont. You fit exactly what we do here. And uh, I took a visit to Nashville and I fell in love and the rest was history from there. So, Okay, so you go to Belmont, okay? And so you you buy into Coach Bird's sales pitch, and you say, I'm going to go to Belmont. And 
you're not going to Georgia. You're not going to Georgia Tech. You know, you're not going to, to Big Ten, as you'd mentioned. And you average three points a game as a freshman. And then yeah. you slowly grow into the point where you get 16 as a junior and then 18 in your last year and you get drafted. Here's, yeah. here's the reason we go through all that. How much of all of that benefited you and would you have been able to stay the course of this journey in the NBA if you had been a guy that automatically had gone to a Georgia Tech and had success right away? How much of having to be patient through that journey is benefiting you now? Yeah, I think my journey so far has been huge. And uh, I think any player that's going through it their freshman year or think they're not good enough or whatever just shows throughout my journey that like the work always proves itself. And, uh, yeah, just making those steady jumps those four years and um, just sticking to my game and knowing knowing how to play is just, I don't know, it's just been great for me. And I'm glad I stayed at Belmont. Um, not a lot of people know, but I was thinking about transferring to a bigger school my junior year, after my junior year season. And uh, I decided to stay because I know I could get all my stuff done at Belmont. But, yeah, it's definitely been good, and I'm thankful for every bit of how Belmont poured into me and everything I learned along the way. So it's definitely been good for my for my basketball career. Okay, and when you were thinking about transferring, like take me through – I'm not going to say the rock bottom because you didn't get that. I'm sure it was actually probably the other way around, right? Where you're like, I like it here, but I've kind of outgrown it maybe was your thought process, right? So what was it where you said, no, this is where I need to be. And, you know, where were you looking to go? Yeah. So when I returned for my senior year, I was the only starter coming back. Um, I played more minutes throughout my college career than the rest of the team combined. Um, I think we had seven freshmen come in that year. So it was just like a lot up in the air and a lot like, I don't know how we're going to do this year, honestly. And um, I just went through with my coach and decided to stay. Coaches in the off season from other big programs were reaching out. And uh, yeah, I just decided to stay ultimately. And I think I made the right decision. So, Pacers rookie guard Ben Shepard is our guest. Ben, take us back to draft night and the weeks and months that followed as you prepared for your first NBA training camp and you got set for your inaugural season in the NBA. When you were drafted, where did you feel like this is where I need to improve the most to survive at the next level? And what was presented to you in terms of the Pacers scouts from Coach Carlisle, everybody else? that this is where you need to improve? Where did those align and where did they maybe differ? Like, where do you still push yourself on a daily basis? Yeah, um, I think the Pacers organization looks at me as a 3 and D guy. And um, I think something I need to work on is honestly my body just getting a little bit bigger. I think I can guard one through three right now, but I think I can be super versatile if I can be able to guard one through four. And uh, so I think that's a big part, something that I need to work on. But um yeah, just always working on my shot and uh, ball handling, honestly. Um, I played a little bit of point guard here in this season. And, uh, yeah, just being ready and uh, wherever my coach wants to put me, I'll be ready for it. So just working on all parts of my game. By the way, Rick Bird, I assume, is the coach you're talking about at Belmont, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he recruited me, but he retired right after they made that little March Madness run. So He retired after winning – he retired after winning 800 games, so I'd say he's got a pretty good idea and a pretty good feel for what he's talking about, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Hey, I want to go back to Ben Shepard is our guest. 
Ben, I've I've lived in Indy my whole life, right? I, I've done mm-hmm. sports media here for the vast majority of my career in, in Indianapolis. And every once in a while, you see things where you witness something and you go, okay, that's the moment. Now, I'm going to tell you this, and then I, we're going to play a, a trivia game with Ben Shepard, okay? I'm at okay. Gamebridge Fieldhouse, and I'm watching the game, and I see this about 45 or 50-second like flurry of activity on the floor, and I say to myself, that's the moment right there where this guy – just became a fan favorite for the Indiana Pacers. And it was you, and the crowd went bonkers, and you looked like you had just drank like 19 Red Bulls, and you're running around. (laughs) And I'm like, that right there, that's the moment. What moment was it, Ben (laughs) Shepard? The Denver game. That is correct. Uh, Yeah, I saw KCP turn his back to me um, when he was bringing the ball up. So I tried to poke it loose, didn't get it, dove on the ground, got back up. Jamal Murray's bringing it across half court. Uh, Aaron Naismith cuts him off, and I'm just able to get my hands on it. And uh, I finish on the other end. I get hit. Um, Thought it was a foul call right there. But um, I was just fired up, especially not playing uh, those first three quarters and then playing the full full fourth quarter. Um, Just knew I had to get get the fans into it. So it was a great time. Well, when you – so the, the, there's a timeout, I, I can't remember what it was, a timeout or foul or whatever it was, and you you throw your head back in this exultation, like literally from your from your ankles all the way out, this this release of emotion. How much of that was the release of the emotion of that moment versus the epiphany that you were having just like me in the crowd of Ben Shepard has arrived? <laughs> Honestly, in those situations... I'm just living in the moment. I don't. I couldn't tell you what I was doing on the bench right there, but uh, yeah, it was it was fun. I mean, but it, you know the other great thing about it: within 30 seconds, every single player on that Pacers roster was off the bench and was giving you love and high fives and and pats on the back of the head. You don't see that with every team, honestly, right? No, no not at all. Um, that's something that's so special about our group of guys. Honestly, is that. I don't know. We're all so close. We all love to see each other succeed, and uh, we know our strengths. And um, I don't think any of our players veer off and try to do something that's not asked for them. But uh, yeah, it's just a great group of guys, and I'm so glad to be here. So Ben Shepard is our guest. Ben, if I was a rookie, which uh, you know those dreams died, you know at birth, I was never going to play in the NBA, let alone in <laughs> high school. But if I was ever a player that was really good at three-point shooting at each level of my career, and I wanted to get better in the NBA, I would long to talk to and try to pick up whatever I could from some of the great three-point shooters currently in the game. And whether that's a you know, Steph Curry or Clay Thompson, whoever, you have one in your locker room in Buddy Heald, and maybe you have it, maybe you have, but is there anything you've picked up from him specifically as a rookie as he's arguably one of the most prolific three-point shooters in the game today? Yeah, definitely. Um, right when I got uh, to the to Indianapolis in September, um, just watching him work out, um, watching his activity. I don't know if you guys noticed, but he is always moving around, and uh, conditioning is like a big part of my game. And uh, yeah, just always moving around, just adding that to my game and creating actions for others. Because Buddy does so much more than three point shooting. I know that jumps off paper for him, but 
yeah, he's just a excellent shooter. And uh, honestly, I think if he's passed anything to me, it'd be just shooting the ball with confidence. Um, he was telling me about his rookie year and the struggles he went through shooting the ball, but it didn't determine the rest of his career. So, uh, yeah, just whenever your opportunity is called, just being ready to shoot the ball because I think that's what the Pacers drafted me for. So. You know, like a million years ago, Ben Shepard, our guest of the Pacers, there was a an Indianapolis Colt named Clarence Verdan, Ben, and his nickname on the team was CNN because he never because he talked twenty four hours a day. Uh, I feel like Buddy Hield's nickname should be CNN. Is that accurate? <laughs> like he seems like that guy that like is kind of always keeping people loose. Yeah, I think I think that could be accurate. Um, super high energy guy in the locker room, always talking, always joking around. Just a great locker room guy. So. Okay, Ben Shepard. Sorry about that. Um, here's what we're going to do. You're new to town. You're a rookie. You had that moment in the Denver game, like I said, where I think people all of a sudden were like, whoa, I can get on board with this guy. So we're going to do a couple rapid-fire questions about you that have nothing to do with basketball to get to know you a little bit. Is that cool? Okay. okay. Yeah. All right, here we go. First is um, you obviously played college basketball like Aaron Neesmith in the city of Nashville. Belmont's in Nashville, right? Yes. Okay. So did you uh, ever, like Aaron Neesmith admitted to us earlier this week, did you ever buy uh, cowboy boots or a cowboy hat? I do have two pairs of cowboy boots, yes. (laughs) Okay. Now, I asked Neesmith, I said, well, I've always heard they're like the most comfortable thing ever once they're broken in. And Aaron Neesmith said, I don't wear them enough. How often do you wear them? (laughs) I I would say I don't wear them enough either, but... uh... I have a pair that's kind of broken in and they're comfortable. So Okay. Um, secondly, if you were given, let, let's just say, for example, that Ruoff Music Center or or the lawn here downtown, one of the music places says, we love Ben Shepard and we want to get him tickets to the concert of his choice. The musical artist you would most want to see live would be who? Ooh. Chris Stapleton. I see, I... Now, did you not see him in Nashville? I did. I was going to say him again. He was great. I, I was. I mean, that would be the hardest thing about focusing on anything in Nashville. Would just be I would be like out. There's so much great live music there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, the guy on the roster right now. So I guess this is somewhat basketball related, but the player that, if you truly have a question or just you're you're a little bit confused going into a game or whatever else. The guy that you truly feel is the teammate you can most lean on and go to for advice, be it basketball or non basketball. TJ McConnell. I, boy, that is like the least surprising answer ever, right? And and, and why has nobody in the league figured out that he steals inbound passes? <laughs> I couldn't tell you. But but it's I mean it's good for you guys, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, another question we asked Aaron and Miles Turner, is on flights, in free time, like right now, you guys obviously getting ready you know, tonight with a game, but you're on the road. What do you do to kill the time? Um, get on my iPad and watch TV. Best show that you watched recently or like binge watched? Ozark. Uh, it is pretty good. You know that, by the way, do you know that the guy, Marty Bird and Ozark fictionally went to Indiana State University? Do you know that? I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, he's the he's probably happy about the trees being nineteen and three, right? <laughs> yeah, they beat my they beat my Belmont Bruins. They, they last did. Night. <laughs> did you watch it? I did. We were up twelve at halftime and couldn't keep it together. So. Hey, I'll tell you what. Um, 
Indiana State's and nothing against your Belmont Bruins, but Indiana State's done a nice job this year. I mean, they they, they can yeah. space it out, man. They can play. Yeah. Ben, in that same vein, we asked Miles about this. He had mentioned that he has a Nintendo Switch that he'll game on during road trips. Do you do you play video games at all? Or are you strictly on the binge watching and then getting back to the court? Yeah, just watching TV. All right. I don't really. I'm not too much of a gamer, but yeah. Ben Shepard, our guest. Lastly, Ben, and I appreciate the time today. And I, I, you know, I know that you probably have other things that you need to do to get focused and ready for the game. But what is like your pregame ritual? I guess. I mean, from the time that you guys, I'm always fascinated by this. Like, what time do you start heading to the arena today? And then what all goes into everything before tip off for you personally, and then in terms of the team itinerary as well? Yeah. So um, on a normal game day, I'll try to get an hour nap in uh, before the 4.30 bus. I usually get on the first bus to the arena to get some shots up before my workout time. And then I lift. And then I have like an hour before tip-off, so just listening to music in my locker, uh, talking to my parents, and that's how I get ready. So not too, not too much to it. Speaking of that, by the way, uh, I guess one other thing, you talked about your parents. You had a ton of family at the beginning of the year when you guys were in Boston and I read that your family predominantly are all like New Englanders in terms of their sports fandom. You don't have Patriots fans in your family, do you? I am a Patriots fan. Oh boy. <laughs> it's a good thing we saved that for last, right? <laughs> right what, I mean, yeah. listen, listen. Can, can you? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, Ben. But like, they're doing an overhaul in New England. If the NBA thing doesn't work out, the Patriots might use you. They could use all the help they can get right now. And we're not used to saying that around <laughs> here, right? <laughs> yeah. Hey, no pressure, but earlier this week we had on Aaron Neesmith, and that night he went out and had his season high. Might even been a career high, as a matter of fact, So uh, in Boston. So no pressure tonight, but enjoy your 29-point out, outburst tonight. All right, Ben? I appreciate it. All right, Ben Shepard. Hey, best of luck, man. Appreciate the time. Thank you. Ben Shepard of the Indiana Pacers joining us here on the program. Um, I forgot about that, Eddie. We're the good luck charm for Aaron Neesmith, right? That's right. They both have two pair of cowboy boots, and they're both going to get their career high after being on the program. Now, you should have told him that if he gets interviewed by Jeremiah Johnson or Mark Boyle after the game, he has to shout us out. It's like, because I went on the Korean company. That's why. That's right. You saw Aaron Eastmith do it on Tuesday night in Boston. I did the same thing here tonight in NYK. <laughs> it's got to be got to be after a W, though. I don't want full credit to us unless it's That's a, probably unless a victory. Good point. Well, here's the thing, Jimmy. They only do those interviews after wins. Well, but he might still have media availability, right? I mean, you just don't want to give him shout-outs willy-nilly when well, he's going to earn the victory. Why, that's why I specifically said with JJ right after the game, oh, right. Mark Boyle. All right. It was a moral victory in Boston. Big. What? We don't believe in those in the NBA, right? No. Uh, appreciate the time, though, from Ben Shepard. Again, a lot to talk about today. We'll take a look back again, including an observation I had last night between Purdue and Northwestern that some people may go, what? I'll explain next. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Okay, here is my epiphany that I had last night, and I, I'm going to apologize ahead of time to Purdue fans, okay? And I mean this is the greatest compliment, actually, because Purdue fans I know are like, why every time do you talk about Purdue, I don't mean me, just in general, does it turn to Indiana? I, I, I get it. 
quite truthfully, when it comes to Purdue right now, th- there's not a whole lot else to say other than they are the best team in the country. They have the best resume in the country. They're the best team in terms of their overall consistency. They have the best resume. They're going to be the number one seed unless the bottom falls out. They're well coached. A huge percentage of the fouls that get stockpiled by teams or on teams that are playing Purdue is based on the fact that Purdue runs such a, I think their offense, their offensive efficiency is such they kind of run like a it's kind of a hybrid of the motion to an extent, but they are so crisp in the way they do things that it, it lends itself towards teams having to foul. And then when you're going into a guy that is basically unstoppable in Zach Eady, then fouls pile up. And yeah, I know it looks like it's there's a discrepancy there, and maybe to some extent for a home team there is. But the my point being the fact that I'm going to parlay Purdue's last uh, performance into a conversation about IU or a comment about IU is actually a compliment to Purdue because I love what they're doing, right? And you can only so many times repeat over and over that they're the best story in college basketball or the best team. Last night, as I'm watching, and when I say this, I am fully expecting people to message me immediately and tell me I'm a total moron. Okay? You can text me. I think most people have my number. You can tweet me, whatever. I get it. As I watched that game last night and I looked at all angles of it between Purdue and Northwestern and knowing where Northwestern basketball has been for a lifetime and some of the things that Northwestern basketball just have had to overcome for a long time. And look, I don't think Mike Woodson's going anywhere anytime soon. I'm not saying that Mike Woodson merits having to go anywhere anytime soon, but just based on his age you would have to assume that he's not going to beat Indiana for 10 more years. Who knows, right? And I know Indiana fans, even though they are, you know, in a position coming off that Iowa game to try to try to turn things around, and they did show some good life. I'm not talking about for this season. So I don't want anybody to misunderstand. Well, then, Jake, why are you bringing this up? Because – I know having gone to Indiana and and knowing a lot of people that pull relentlessly for Indiana, that the conversation of like next Indiana coach always is in the mix. And Dusty May obviously is a name that will be probably the forefront of that conversation because of his connection to Indiana and the success that he has had at Florida Atlantic. And I have nothing against that or anything. I totally get it. But I really do think having seen for the last few years, whether it be at Indiana or elsewhere, if I was a big-time college basketball program, and I'm not saying Northwestern isn't, they're in the Big Ten, but if I was what is considered to be a historically blue-blood program, which Indiana claims to be, and I had a coaching vacancy, I would immediately inquire to Chris Collins at Northwestern. I think he represents, I, I just think he, and I know it. I mean, look, Northwestern, what are you talking about, Jake? They, like, What have they done in the Big Ten? They've had down years. I get it. I think it's a hard job. I think it's a hard place to win. And 
I like the grit his team shows. I like the poise that they show. I like the way that he has an energy and a passion on the sidelines. I think he has a great pedigree. Um, and I just think that if if you are ready to just clean slate somewhere and start over in terms of rebranding yourself as a college basketball program, I think the world of Chris Collins and Northwestern. I don't know him. I don't know anything about him other than, you know, I, in other words, intimately I don't in, in terms of like the way he runs his program and the day-to-day. I, I don't know those things. But I think the guy can flat-out coach, and I think that having success and being relevant and in the mix with Northwestern proves that. Well, the natural progression for him – specifically will be answered this offseason assuming they're a tournament team which I think they will be the natural progression would say he's been there a decade this would be their third tournament appearance the last seven seasons I'm doing my math right which is no no guarantee there but either way three appearances over that span back-to-back years of being in the NCAA tournament and you would think that at that point, if you're able to take Northwestern back there, he has two options, assuming there's job offers. Either take a leap somewhere else, or you're restarting the cycle once again at Northwestern. Like, you go back to when they last made the NCAA tournament, and the years that followed, there were struggles. They struggled mightily. And then Boo Booey comes around, and all of a sudden they start to make a turn. Last year, again, they finished tied in a couple different ways, for second within the Big Ten, and this year they're in the conversation, not going to win the title outright. Purdue's ultimately probably going to do that, but you're there again at a program where you've mentioned, Jake, historically speaking, that stuff does not happen on a consistent basis. So he's going to have an opportunity, if all continues to go swimmingly at Northwestern, assuming he gets them back to the tournament, which I think he will, where this coming April, either he's going to have opportunities to go somewhere else, or... He will decide, no, I like what I'm doing here at Northwestern. I like what I'm building. Or maybe the right job doesn't pop up, and he'll stay. But he's been there a decade. Like I, I, that, that part that, is surprising. And he's crazy. basically one. He's basically a 500 coach, yep. right? But I'm telling you, like I, I do think that being a 500 coach historically over years at Northwestern is from where, especially from what he just where it was. To me, that's probably the ceiling. Like they're 37 and 17 the last two seasons. That's remarkable. Yeah, for Northwestern, right? Yes, I mean, correct. you know what I mean? Yes. Undoubtedly. And they, listen, they've, obviously they've, and again, they've given Purdue fits, and Purdue right now is the best program, the best, the most well-coached team in the Big Ten, if not college basketball. And I know people are going to want to point out the, the first-round tournament shortcoming. I get it. I get it, right? But I'm telling you, like, each thing that Purdue – I give Matt Painter a ton of credit who's going to join JMV at 4 o'clock today. I give Matt Painter a ton of credit because with each bump in the road, they have seemingly gone out and gotten the asphalt to try to smooth things over of that bump. The only things that plague Purdue, by and large, are things that are kind of beyond their control, which is – I remember last year saying – would it be possible that the Big Ten actually says we want to officiate games differently? And the reality is that the officials working the Big Ten, I, I later learned this, you know, officials working Big Ten games are not Big Ten officials. They're doing the Big Ten one night, and they're doing the Ohio Valley the next night, and they're doing the SEC in, in a week or whatever else. I mean, they, they, they interchange. 
but just the style of play, whatever it may be, there's no doubt that that the 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 play and the way that, that whistles are blown in the Big Ten is different than in the NCAA tournament. And and that's the one thing that Purdue can't really prepare for is they can't play outside the Big Ten. They're in the Big Ten, right? And that's the one boogaboo that that is beyond their control. The things that that they can control, they've controlled and taken care of. They've got a more versatile scoring set. They've got good guards. They they went out and they got pieces to to carry like load management, if you will, so that everybody's seemingly fresher towards the end of the year and you don't have guys like Fletcher Lawyer hitting a wall. I, I love them. I love what they've done this year. I just think that last night what you saw was a team that was very competitive against them, and a lot of that is because they were carrying forward the moxie of their coach. Shelvin Mack, CBS, 10 minutes. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta. And check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Heard it from a friend who... Hell yeah. Heard it from a friend who... Listen, that's exactly the same, right? We got tickets to give away. Is that right, Eddie? Yes, sir. Should we do one right now? Let's do it. We doing trivia style? When don't we do trivia style? 317-239-1070 is the telephone number. We have tickets for Ario Speedwagon along with Train and Yacht Rock. It's going to be at Ruoff, and when is that? July 10th? Sounds about right. right. 239-1070. Are we doing show trivia or sports trivia for the tickets? I mean, I'll say... let, I will let you handle that. You know, Or should we give deal, Should we give caller choice? We could do caller choice. Yeah. Let's leave it up to the callers. They get either show trivia or sports trivia. Is that right? Yes. Okay. And th- now this is always tough because that means i got to spontaneously do it off the top of my head. But... Uh, we will go. What number are we going with here, Eddie? We've got numbers one through five. Jimmy, I'll let you make the choice this time. Three. Caller number three will go roulette style and put you on the air. So you're on the air right now on Query and Company. Your name is, sir or madam? Mike. Mike. All right, Mike. Have you called the program before, Mike? I have. Okay. Uh, are you director of security? Times. You're not the director of security, Mike, are you? No, I'm the going to get a new title director of plumbing <laughs> i like that we All really right. need a director fair enough okay mike we are going to give you a trivia question would you like for that question to be something about the show the trivia or about sports i'd like it to be easy <laughs> okay well mike <laughs> let me ask you this mike who is your favorite team who is your favorite sports team oh, the colts culture the pacers i'm a homer okay and how old a fella are you mike I'm 76. Mike, this is going to be the easiest trivia question that I'm going to give all day. You ready? Because it ties into the show if you've listened to the show as well. The first ever draft pick of the Indianapolis Colts. This has always been one of my favorite trivia questions. The first ever draft pick of the Indianapolis Colts was Leonard Coleman, a defensive back. He played collegiately at the same university where Aaron Neesmith of the Indiana Pacers played. What university is it? It I will tell you this. It is one of four teams to have beaten Indiana in Bob Knight's last national championship year. They also had Will Purdue that later went on to play for the Chicago Bulls. Their nickname is the Commodores, and they're based in Nashville, Tennessee. 
Uh, Tennessee Volunteers. Ooh, Mike. Mike. Hang on just a second, Mike. Well, Eddie got rid of Mike. Sorry, Mike. I appreciate you listening to the program, by the way. We'll go one more here. Uh, one more. All right, line one, roulette style. You are on the air. What is your name, sir or madam? Josh. Is madam offensive? I don't know this. Uh, Josh, have, have we met before? Have you listened to the program for a while? I've listened to the program. We have not met. Okay. Uh, Josh, would you like a trivia question about the show or a sports-related trivia question? Sports. All right. What's your favorite team, Josh? The Cubs. The Chicago Cubs. All right. Yes. The Chicago Cubs 1984 season was one of great promise, and of course they made it to the National League Championship Series against the San Diego Padres, but the season went up in flames when an error was committed by this first baseman of the ball going between his legs. Who was it? Buckner? Bill Buckner was with the Boston Red Sox when that yeah, unfortunate thought, incident but- happened. He was a former Cub, of course. Uh, this Cub and later Cincinnati Red was the first baseman on that 84 team, and he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated when it said, how about them Cubbies? I don't know. I was two years old at the time. <laughs> okay. The World the World Series was won by the Chicago Cubs when this shortstop picked up the ball with one hand and threw it to the first baseman who immediately put the ball in his hip pocket. Who were the two players I'm talking about? All right, Javi Baez and Anthony Rizzo. And actually, I think it was Chris Bryant in the third baseman. I'm sorry, Chris Bryant. You're right. I said shortstop, so I threw you off there. You are correct. Chris Bryant, Chris Bryant though, is the one that made the play. Uh, and you are correct, the third baseman and Anthony Rizzo. So you are on your way to, and my apologies, I said shortstop because he kind of slid over uh, and made that play. That's actually a heck of a play, one-handed. Leon Durham was the other player. Leon Durham was the other player. I believe Buck highlighted on the call that it's going to be a tough play. I believe that was his he did. line because I mean, he had to go so low play, to, throw, to throw him out. And he kind of was coming over into the, the – that's why I was thinking shortstop, uh, coming over on it. All right, and but although Bryant had that huge grin on his face, he knew what was up, right? Yep. Shelvin Mack joining us next. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Our next guest is a college basketball analyst for CBS, but you know him locally for those historic back-to-back national title runs in 2010 and 2011 with the Butler Bulldogs. He is Shelvin Mack. Nice enough to take some time with us. Shelvin, how are you on a Thursday? How you doing? Doing great. Off the bat, let's start with Butler. How proud of what Thad Mata is doing in his second year as they are making a push for the NCAA tournament are you of your alma mater? Um, yes, they had some big wins uh, on a three-game road streak. I'm glad he was able to get out and transfer and transfer portal, man, to get Pierre Brooks, Posh Alexander to come over. Kind of need that experience. Um, Posh been at St. John's last year. He know how the Big East is. And Pierre coming from Michigan State. I think those two players play extremely well together and it's translated to some wins. We've got a big stretch coming up, though. A really, really big stretch. Shelvin, it's interesting because in today's world with the transfer portal, I mean, I realize this is probably true of you know most rosters, but ha- having said that, how long do you think it truly does take for a team when you have new faces to, to truly kind of have its own identity and know and trust each other on the floor and understand who they are? 
I would guess part, at least a half a season. Now, same thing with the NBA. That's why a lot of times you see, like, some teams just figure out, some teams don't, and they make trades. But it, it takes a, a while. You have to, you have, to have a, a certain amount of games and play in a level competition where this guy likes the ball in this, in this spot. The coach got to be able to trust. He can down three. We don't need to call a timeout. We can still get a play. This takes a, a very, very long time. Shelvin Mack is our guest. This answer varies year to year, but when you look around college basketball, is there a clear conference that is head and shoulders above the rest right now, whether it's looking at net, whether it's looking at overall roster construction? Where do you look around college hoops and say this is the best conference right now? The Big 12. I think they're kind of head and shoulders above everyone else. Then I would go with the Big East, but the Big 12 is a – it's the as a monster night in night out. Whether you have TCU, Baylor, them adding Houston to the mix, Kansas is always a top top notch team. Oklahoma, just any night you could just lose. UCF coming in, they're playing, competing at a high level. Then also Cincinnati coming into the Big Twelve, competing at a high level. It's just very. It's no it's no nights off in the Big Twelve. Is there a league, Shelvin, who's, and maybe the answer here is Big Ten. I'm not trying to lead the witness, but. <laughs> is there a league whose style of play is the most unique and doesn't transfer? In other words, if you're used to playing that style of play over the course of the year, then you get to March and you got to play teams from other leagues, and it doesn't translate, if that makes sense. Is there any league that jumps out at you? Yes, you hit it right on the head, the Big Ten. Their pace is just so slow throughout the season, and sometimes they get caught off guard by playing a fast, up-tempo team. And it's hard to switch, and you're not used to it. You know, the good thing about you know, the Big 12, the ACC, the Big East, you get multiple styles and multiple versions of teams playing. Like in the Big East, you get Creighton, who loves to get up and down the court, shoots threes, and then you play a Butler or a Villanova who slows it down. So you can be able to adapt to each style. In March, the first time you see it, like, yeah, like they're in headlights. And that's kind of what happens a lot of times when they have – 10 teams in a tournament and they'll make the final four has Purdue allowed itself that versatility you're talking about Shelvin Mack our guest you know to me when you look at the addition of Jones and you look at like the evolution and the growth of, of Braden Smith and then of course Zach Eady is Zach Eady but it has Purdue given itself now enough offensive flexibility to be able to play different styles in March I think so, uh, but it still all come down to Zach Eady. And they're able to score a lot of points from the free throw line. I just don't think that's actually going to happen in the NCAA tournament. As you watched the game last night, um, shot 46 free throws to eight. I just don't think that's going to happen when you plan a fast and up and pace game. They might have 105 points to 96, but it's always going to slow down and go through Zach Eady. So I think it's, it's kind of – Kind of hard. It's a, uh, a gift and a curse with, with him. Was that disparity at the free throw line last night between Purdue and Northwestern, was that execution or was that bad officiating? Uh, that's a tough one. So it's a little bit of both. I know Northwestern is holding their head high. Whenever you can you know, go to Purdue, only shoot eight free throws, take them to overtime, and still have a chance to win, I know they believe they could beat them out at on a neutral side or at home. But that's too big of a, of a, of a gap difference for me. Shelvin Mack is our guest, Butler great and current analyst for CBS Sports. Shelvin, 
this might be a bridge too far when I try to draw this comparison. So if it is, you can laugh at me. We can move on. But <laughs> you and Butler go to the national title game in 2009-2010, and you're able to take that loss. And obviously Gordon Hayward departs, but you still had great pieces like yourself, Matt Howard, Avery Jukes, and others. You're able to take that team, and you're able to go back to the title game. For Purdue, they didn't get to that doorstep but they suffered a heartbreaking loss to Fairleigh Dickinson and they largely return most of that team. And now they're on a mission to not just overcome that loss, but get all the way to a national title game. How did you use that as motivation to get back and continue that journey with Butler? And, and how does Purdue have to balance that of knowing there's expectations to right the shortcomings of March for them this season? Just take it one game at a time. They understand that they had a big opportunity last year and missed out on it. So when you get back to that same situation, this don't put a lot of pressure on it. I think them coming back as a team helped us a lot. And it's very it's a lot of similarities. We lost to North Carolina um our very first round of tournament. They had I'm um, not North Carolina, LSU they had Marcus Thornton and they put it out in the first round. We I think we might have been in the higher seat, but we just came back the next year worked together, and we understood the situation and timing that we're going to be in. We had confidence in each other. That's the great thing about having a team back. You you believe in yourself, and you can get it done. And I think, you know, Coach Terry Johnson, who was at me at Butler, the offensive coordinator at Purdue, he's going he's gonna to have those guys ready ready to rock this, this, um, this march. You know, when you look back, Shelvin Mack, our guest, it's funny, Shelvin, when you look back at those Butler teams, and, you know, it makes sense in hindsight, right? I mean, you're like, okay, they got Shelvin Mack that – that played, you know, what, eight, nine seasons in the NBA. You got Gordon Hayward, who obviously we know. Ronald Nora was just a bulldog, and Matt Howard was a great player. So it makes sense in hindsight. What team right now in college basketball is one that's kind of off the radar, but they're really well coached, you love the execution they have, and they have talented players that people have slept on, and therefore they can make some noise in March. That team is who? The easy one would be FAU. Say if they went to the Final Four, we turn everyone back. They have Johnny L. Davis, who's been playing extremely well late. I think he'll have a chance to make it to the NBA. But then a lot of people's not talking about Dayton. Dayton, they have a, a big in the Ron Holmes. They can play inside out. They're also able to stretch the floor, making top 10 three point shooting team in the country. So, you know, in a tournament, you need those three to, to get some momentum and keep it running. And obviously, Coach Grant is a great defensive team, defensive coach. Now have the ball pressure is going to be physical and make everything tough. So I actually like like Dayton to go on a, a strong run besides FAU. What is it about the Dayton program? I, you know, I mean, it's been a great program, or at least a very good one, certainly. And there have been coaches that have gone there that have parlayed that. I mean, Archie Miller comes to mind, obviously, and just not found the success that they were able to have in Dayton. I love that league, but what is it about Dayton that, that has – just allowed for coaching changes, but sustained really good play? I would say the fan base. You know, whenever you turn uh, a game on at Dayton, it's completely sold out every single year. I think that's why the first four is there. It's just the, the amount of support you get from the crowd. And as a player, you want to play in an atmosphere like that. So they constantly are able to get higher level talent than other schools probably in the 18, A-10 who's not selling out every – every home game, and I think the style of play. People love to see them full-court press, compete, you know, high-flying, getting dunked. It's just, it's just awesome to see. 
Shelvin Mack is our guest of CBS. Okay, Shelvin, I asked you about teams like Dayton that you mentioned or Florida Atlantic that, that might be kind of hanging around and can make some noise. What about a team that is really good, but their rotation is short enough that it is reason for concern in March if there's foul issues or the, the quick turnaround of games that they just don't have perhaps a deep enough roster to be able to go further than what people expect? That would be who? I would say that would be UK. Kentucky, they lost last night to Florida. They had two guys out, and you see that they was at home. It's, it's, most of the time, they never lose at home in Rupp Arena. But two guys out, tough matchup against Florida, came out with a loss. And they also depend so much on their guard play, um, whether it's Dillingham or, or Shepard. If one of those players have like an off night, it could be a rat in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Butler great and CBS Sports analyst Selvin Mack is our guest. Shelvin, they always say, and this is what's bounced Purdue the last couple of years, that great guard play is what wins in March. And you can tell when you look at Purdue compared to where they were a year ago, guys like Fletcher Lawyer and Braden Smith and the leaps that they've taken through growth and development, that they're a better team in that department than they were a year ago. When you look at the Boulder do you share that same assessment? And is their guard play at a high enough level now to be a real threat in March? I think so. Brace Smith has made a, a big jump. Um, I was talking to somebody the other day. It's like, if I'm playing with Zach Eady. I should have multiple double-digit assist games. Last night, he had 16. Two nights ago, he had 10. So he's able to put Zach Eady, Zach Eady in position to be successful. And then I'm just always just catching it off the, re, uh, off the board and putting it back in. And then also him being able to stretch the floor and being aggressive. I think last year they knew they had Zach Eady and they went to him like every single play. This year, I think Braden Smith and, and Laura is more comfortable being able to come off an own ball and shoot a three to stretch the floor. So I think it's going to go. Um, it's going to help them out. So it's not. It's not always pressure on Zach Eady when it comes late in the game, and you're just trying to feast, uh, just force it down the throat when he's posting up. Shelvin Mack, our guest. Shelvin, I'm going to give you a trivia question. Put you on the spot here. You ready? Okay. Uh, in order, top of your head. So, like, you can't, like, just boom, like, knee-jerk reaction. In order, uh, tell me the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Tell me the NBA franchises you played for, but in order of which you played for them. Go ahead, go. And uh, are we counting 10 days? Yes. Wizards, 76ers, Hawks, Jazz. Uh, Orlando, <laughs> Orlando, uh-huh. Memphis, Charlotte. Yes, nice. Well done. Nice and done. You had to think about it for a second, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. I got I got traded and cut in that order too. So so I had to get it back together. So I actually got traded back to the Hawks. Okay. So tell me this. I'm fascinated by this. What happens when a player gets traded? Like, does your agent tell you? Do you find out on Twitter? Like, what what is the process? Um, so I got traded twice. I found out on Twitter on one of them. Not so my agent gave me a heads up on the other. So <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's just different. Like I, I went to sleep in the hotel, woke up, I was traded. Um, then I got released from the Atlanta Hawks at the same time. So it's a, it's a hard transition, a tough pill to swallow. But it's the professional sports which we sign up for. So, well, what do you do about like is. living condition? I mean, honestly, like you're. You're like, wait a minute, like I got a condo or an apartment back there and now I've got to find a place to live. Like, where do they put you up? Do you stay like in a Howard Johnson? Like, what do they do? 
so you get an allotment to figure that stuff out and pay for it. So a lot of times, um, I live in Atlanta, so everywhere I went, I kind of knew it was a chance I might be traded. So I just rent an apartment, um, do like an eight month lease, and no, just hopefully you stay there the whole time. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I guess yeah. So yeah. you're not exactly like immediately calling Biff Ward and like buying multi million dollar homes in each place, right? No, not at all. Okay. Um, and then the other thing I was going to ask is just what is like, there's got to be one, like what's your best NBA story? You know, just of like a, a crazy dude on the bus or like a, a teammate you had where you're like, wait a minute, what? I mean, or just something crazy that happened in the locker. There's got to be some fun story that happened over the course of time in the NBA. Uh, you try to get me turned into Jeff Teague, huh? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. Te- Teague's his podcast, man. He is. Uh, he's unfiltered for sure. Yes. Um, we could keep it there. But um, I was actually on the Atlanta Hawks team when we left Jeff uh, at the arena uh, in Detroit. I really, uh, really haven't had too many experiences. That like just jumps off the wall. That's a, that's kind of appropriate for radio. <laughs> I say that. All right, fair enough. Right, that's that's well said. Let's put it that way. What was the um, now that in your job with CBS in in covering college basketball, has it been a challenge to have to know different rosters, different programs, where teams are over the course of the year? There are a lot of teams in college basketball. Or did playing in the NBA and having to kind of night in and night out adjust game plans assist you in the prep work that is necessary for what you do now? The NBA did not help me with this at all. <laughs> I would tell you that. You know, in the NBA, you have 30 teams, and it's typically the same players over and over again that you're kind of talking about and you know on the scouting report. And college basketball, over the past three years, it's, you have players – They've been on three different teams in three years. Um, also, with the conference changing, it's, it's, it's difficult, it's challenging, but that's when you got to you know, hit the books and, and keep up and study and, and read as much as possible. So even Kevin McClure at Kansas was a Texas Tech. I just remember those little tiny details throughout the season, but the transfer portal completely changed the game. I don't – if I played, I don't think I would have been at Butler with the transfer portal in the NIL. <laughs> Shelvin Mack is our guest. Shelvin, I want to probe one more time for a good story, but not in the NBA this time. So I guess we'll go adjacent to Jeff T. Because Robbie Hummel's mentioned this before with his playing days when he was overseas. Like, athletic trainers are different there. Like, you're getting your own ice pack sometimes. Maybe maybe your experience overseas was more enjoyable than that. But any crazy stories from playing basketball across the pond? Um, I was in some great situations, great locations um, with some teams. So I played in Milan. That was that was beautiful. Also played in on uh, Jerusalem, so that was great. Just going out there and see seeing the history, you know, of our world. And then Athens, Greece. I was just on the beach the whole time. Uh, yes, I got one for you. Uh, in, in Greece, I played for Pasanagos. Uh, no, the fans are very, very, very passionate. So we was practicing one day in the middle of a shell drill. Shell drill is a four on four defensive drill when you slide and cut off the baseline. Somebody has to sink and help and kick it back out. In the middle of the drill, we had about 200 fans come in and just kind of like we had to have a meeting with them at half court. They were basically critiquing our game, complaining about how we've been playing and and losing. And I've never experienced, like, we literally stopped practice and let them you know, kind of speak to us, get that out of their chest. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, they, but they were speaking in Greek. 
And like I had a when a coach translate, I was like, "What do you say?" He's like, "He wants y'all to play play better." I was like, "I know he didn't come here and just say that. It has to be a lot more words, <laughs> right? To play better." Did it help? Did it help? <laughs> uh, we helped. We got it on the right path. But you know I, what? I, I never experienced that at all. Even the GM, the president, stopped practicing and let them and allowed them to talk to us. If you had to live in one place overseas that you played or saw, it would be where? I would say Jerusalem. Beautiful? Uh, it's beautiful. Then Tel Aviv is like 30, 40 minutes away, so you can just go there and sit on the beach. Um, everyone speaks English. It's pretty It's pretty cool, a unique, a unique place. Shelvin Mack, our guest. Lastly, Shelvin, before we let you go, and I know you've been asked this a gabillion times, so I'll make it a gabillion and one. But for, for our audience, um, when you look back in all the places you've been, from critique of Greek fans to sitting on the beach in Tel Aviv to playing in Atlanta and getting traded and released on Twitter and everything else, when it goes back to the basics, what is your pride and what is your overall takeaway from your memories of being a Butler Bulldog? Um. Everything. It's where it all started. Um, a big family. I'm glad my man Grant Linebacker just got the AD job. Derek Butler taking over Barry is one of my teammates. Um, I'm still connected with everyone to this day. I don't think I'll be able to get to the position I, I was at, I'm at now without a lot of my teammates sacrificing and just building that family relationship. It's, it's something unique and special. I don't think a lot of players get it at different universities. We all like still on a a group text together. Ron's down here in Atlanta with the Atlanta Hawks coaching, so I still see him. Um, Gordon, Coach Steven. I, I just don't think it's a group of college teammates that are still connected like we are to this day. So basically, it's, it's just my family. He's Shelvin Mack, the Butler great, and you can find him all college basketball season on CBS Sports. Shelvin, thanks again for the time. Enjoy the rest of the college hoop season. Hopefully, we'll talk to you down the road. Thank you. Go dogs. I <laughs> love it. Shelvin Mack um, joining us on the program. Up next, a lot of changes coming to downtown Indianapolis. The JW Marriott is just the first of those changes. The NBA coming in for the All-Star Game, and we will have a conversation with one of the people who is in charge of transforming Indianapolis. We'll do that conversation next. You know, Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. There are certain people that you start chatting with them and like instantly you go, okay, there's a lot more here in a good way than just the overall core of it. And then you're like, this is, a, this is a dude that I could just hang out with and have a couple of beers with and talk for hours. And that includes our next guest who just walked in and is dressed to the nines with a sport <laughs> coat that has the New York City skyline on the inside of it. Is that right? That is. That's true. NBA lapel pin. Everything looks perfect until you're Georgetown Cufflinks, <laughs> but you got to support your school. I Blue and gray forever. Uh, Joey Graziano. I said the last name correctly. You, you right? did. Who is the NBA head of event strategy and management. Yep. So basically what that means is that you have taken up temporary residence in Indianapolis with the blueprint of basically becoming a Salvador Dali that's going to repaint the entire downtown, right? I mean, I, it is uh, 28 days at the JW is a, is a good start to your uh, your Indianapolis uh, your Indianapolis career, so I couldn't be more excited. 
Okay, so let's talk about the NBA All-Star Game upcoming. And, I, you know, for a lot of people, Joey, they think, well, I know that they're going to have, you know, All-Star Saturday night, at, yeah. you know, and then they're going to have the, the All-Star Game, and, and that's it. But there's so much more to it that goes into it. So what is, if you will, the biggest project that goes into all of this for you? It really started with the, the leadership of the Simon family, and Herb Simon in particular wanted to make sure – after his 40 plus years of building in this community, that this was going to be the most fan first all-star of all time. So we've got more than 175,000 ticketed opportunities, 30% more than we've ever delivered to any NBA all-star. It's going to tip off with a Pacers tip off on the 15th in Bicentennial Unity Plaza. And then we're going to have wall to wall events. Uh, Our fan event, NBA crossover will be the largest fan event in the history of NBA all-star, the best musical performance lineup, we've ever had. But then there are events like the Rising Stars. We've got Pacers representation. You've got the Celebrity Game. Um, we've got our All-Star Saturday night where you're going to have Steph pl- compete against Sabrina uh, in an NBA WNBA three-point competition for the first time. So it's those types of events that are just really exciting. And with that, Joey, I think there are a lot of people, and I want you to speak to this, Yeah, people that, let's say, don't have the finances to be able to enjoy a Pacer game on a regular basis and therefore they think to themselves the All-Star game's coming to Indianapolis but that's for a crowd that that I don't run with. Yeah. There are opportunities for people to be able to come out and enjoy it without having to break the bank to do so, correct? I think that's been a, a real testament for Pacers leadership. And so it was everything from our All-Star Saturday night tickets started as cheap as $24. Uh, we just put on Celebrity Game tickets for $12.12 to make sure they're were, they were affordable for families. NBA crossover will be as cheap as $20 for kids and $35 for adults. But we've got a big volume of free events. Um, the paces are taking over everywhere from Monument Circle down to Lucas Oil. Full Georgia Street activation, all free. So we want our, our local Hoosiers to come down, bring their families, and spend all day and all night with us. You would know at the NBA, we don't mind a party. So we're <laughs> going gonna to be out into the evenings at the end of these nights. But even something like TNT, NBA on TNT, the Amex Roadshow on Thursday evening, they're going to have incredible performances with Shaq and Kenny and Charles will be down all free. Um, and so we're going to want you to come down to the convention center. Those types of events and experiences are going to be a hallmark and testament to our Pacers leadership. Just how complex is this thing for the average fan that realizes, yeah. oh, hey, this is fun party. When we look at it, it feels like it's your Super Bowl. How complex yeah. is this thing? And how soon does one all-star event end? Do you look towards building the next one? So we've been planning this for seven years. Um, we've got fans coming in from 30 countries. 125,000 people are going to descend on downtown Indy. Um, this is certainly one of the most complex operations, and I've been fortunate at the NBA to be a part of a number of them. I was the first person on the ground for the NBA bubble um, and and those types of opportunities. But the work that has gone in, in particular from the local stakeholders, I just did a host committee meeting. We had over 400 people who've been actively every day working on this event come down for that presentation. It's that type of cross-departmental leadership that's been needed across the city and the state to put this on. And we've been working on it for years. I keep hearing about the crossover. Yeah. Um, when I think crossover, I think Allen Iverson. I know the NBA is excited about this particular event for fans. Yeah. And you mentioned $20 for kids, thirty. but it, it exactly is what? Yeah. I think when you look at NBA fans, what they're interested in is what our what our players are interested in. And the great part about NBA players, we're dynamic off the court. 
just as we are powerful on it. We're fashion designers, we're artists, we're musicians, we're technologists, and we bring together all of those interests into one holistic environment. And the way that we do it is we have our MBA marketing partners, more than 30 of them will be there, 55 plus activations. We want to get a ball in kids' hands the minute you walk in. These musical performances, more than 18 different panels and conversations that will happen live at our crossover conversation studio, 60 plus player appearances, legends. IU's own Isaiah Thomas will be there, legends like Dr. J., will be in attendance, Oscar Robertson. Um, so it's those types of, of meet and greets and player appearances and leaders that you're going to hear from all around this concept of exclusive collaborations. People that wouldn't otherwise step foot in a room together, but for NBA fandom. And when you're doing all of this in Indianapolis, is it advantageous versus other markets because of the fact that everything, yeah. like we're kind of a bubble in our own right, right? Yeah. Like everything is so so... The, the footprint of the All-Star Game is going to expand how far downtown, and does it reach beyond just the, the, the epicenter of downtown? Yeah, I think this is one of the best major events, let alone sports events, cities on earth. The way that it's designed, and we're going to have what well, we use the word campus, and that's a word we use from, from, from the bubble days. The ability to be able to create one environment when your fans get to a certain point. For us, that point's going to be Monument Circle. You're not going to need a car. We're going to want you to walk everywhere. We've got a cultural corridor. We've got Hoosier Historia happening, activations from, from street to street, and we're going to want our fans to be able to experience them. But to your point, we've been operating All-Star since the Indiana State Fair. All 92 counties that we've been able to experience. We've got a 92-county game, a knockout that's going to happen with a, with a leadership. We have an all-star rewards program that has 400 small businesses throughout the state, more than 70% minority and female-owned. All of those re- uh, bars, restaurants, shops you go to, you can earn all-star rewards points live to redeem for free prizes, merchandise, meet and greets. So this is a full statewide. This is Indiana's all-star, not just Indianapolis. Joey Graziano is our guest, NBA head of event strategy and management. We asked Rick Fusen this yesterday from your standpoint, and obviously the pandemic impacted everybody, but from Indianapolis and on the business side, they wind up having to move the All-Star game from 2021 to 2024. I'll ask you the same question I asked him on your side, and I know you balance three All-Star games in between those two. How did that afford you the ability to do different things that wouldn't have been possible then? Well, I, I start with just the, the hundreds of millions of dollars of investment that's happened in and around the Pacers organization since that point. We think about the improvements at Gamebridge Fieldhouse, which is one of the best places on earth to watch a yeah. basketball game. Just got better under Mel Rain's leadership. Um, you look at Commission Row and the new restaurant uh, that's just opened up there. And this Mel Speakeasy, if you haven't spent time there yet, you need to. Uh, and then certainly Bicentennial Unity Plaza, a full extension of the arena now where we're able to have a, a, a tip-off. When we have our HBCU game on Saturday, we're going to have both pep bands perform there live. Those types of things don't happen if this happened over. So I look at every obstacle being an opportunity, and this one has been a major opportunity to have it this year with the Pacers' leadership. So in terms of All-Star Weekend, the dates again are when? So we will tip off on the 15th okay. with obviously the game on the 18th. So the 15th is the first day that there will be like NBA sanctioned events, if you will, taking place. And obviously yep. there's going to be parties and stuff going yep. on all over the place, right? Um, and then after the 18th, basically, that's it. I mean, there's not things after the fact, like for people to be able to come down and enjoy after the game is played, correct? So the Pacers are going to continue and extend some of the activations, making sure some of the most viral moments that happen that those who weren't able to be in town, if you were out of town for the weekend, you're still going to be able to experience. But we want to make sure at that point we're focusing on the Pacers are an incredible team 
getting Tyrese back. We want to be able to have everybody focus on that playoff run. But we're going to make sure those viral moments from All-Stars stay in Indy for those who weren't able to experience them otherwise. Joey Graziano is our guest from the NBA. Joey, when you walked in, um, you know, I, I immediately, you said you're from New York, which I assumed with because you're with the league. And one thing about Indianapolis is this is a city that has a tremendous pride about itself. Even yeah. at times when we didn't necessarily have reason to be proud, we've always been proud to be from Indianapolis. There is no city that exhibits that more than New York City. Um, and immediately I asked you, I said, oh, so you're a New Yorker. And then you told me a story very briefly, literally in the commercial break before we came on, about your dad yeah. and about New York. Can you share with our listeners that story? Yeah, I, I'm I'm a son of a New York City fireman. It's the thing I'm most proud of in all in all of of Earth. Anything I could accomplish, nothing would matter to be uh, more. And, and um, my dad was a fireman, Engine Twenty Two, Ladder Thirteen, which is in the Upper East Side of Manhattan, and uh, a firehouse that was significantly impacted by by nine eleven. My dad was was there. Um, the fireman in that house uh, didn't make it. My father happens to to made it. Uh, he's the last person to leave a, any of the twin towers alive, and um, it's a tremendous legacy of of pride and my dad had a rule as we were as a kid uh when your neighbor's house is on fire you run towards that fire and so i built my whole life trying to emulate um these incredible men that i grew up around and the hero heroism and how they thought about living their lives and i'll never measure up to it but it's it's my guiding post i live by a very simple principle and i try to do that every day and uh you know to tie it back to indy um and how we got there uh, when i showed up on my my first day and what who's your hospitality means to me I showed up and there was a, a a gift and that gift was from the Indianapolis fire department welcoming me into the city. So when you talk about how they, this, do you think they knew they, they definitely knew, okay. um, they knew, they said they thanked my dad for this, for his service as in the card that was written to me. And when you think about what this city is and why this place is different, why the people here are different, um, it's because they see you and they hear you and they take you for who you are. Um, and that, that matters to me a lot about this city and, and this state and the way that people here rally around causes and certainly to be able to think about that and, of course, gave me an opportunity to call my dad right away and uh, and let him know. And we grew up Knicks fans, so uh, so some of those those teams, those oh, yeah. Pacers teams have hurt me uh, <laughs> over the years. And likewise, yeah. right? <laughs> so, um, but for my dad to be able to hear that and to hear how, you know, people still remember him and how they welcome his son, it, it means a lot to my family. And my brother's a New York City fireman right now uh, in Harlem. And so, you know, just a, a, a true thank you. And, and I really do love it around here. And so your father is—he's a retired firefighter. My dad's right? a retired firefighter. Um, yeah. And so now he gets to see you going out, and you know, I, I think what's great about it is there probably is Joey a symbolism, is there not, in the fact that you know nothing can match the heroism of 9/11. Yeah. I, I'm not trying to 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 over romanticize or under romanticize that, but for you to be able to go in and allow other communities to show their strength and to kind of put their best foot forward in allowing the rest of the country cities like indianapolis need that you know this is a city that that embraces that have you you obviously have been able to tell that right it's an incredible i mean what i love so much about this job and this event in particular is it's a true global platform these games will be broadcast in 200 countries and territories more than 60 languages we'll have 1500 global credentialed media that will descend on the city um last year during all-star during salt lake city we had uh, 650 million views of the event on Instagram alone. That's 20% more than the Super Bowl. This is that type of global moment. And this is a city with a ton of pride. 
and a ton of reasons to be really proud of the uh, of what it's built, but maybe even more the future promise of the city and all the changes that are still coming and to be able to showcase that to the world in all the authentic ways that we're doing, which is why I'm really happy about the JW and how we turned a piece of art. And the JWs use it every major event. It's a testament of the city, but we turned it into a, into a platform, an engagement platform. And one of the things we're going to do is we're going to drop a new video every day at five o'clock across NBA social. And we're going to tell one of the behind the scenes stories of this all-star, tell the story of Indianapolis and why it's important. And we're going to do it with a unique celebrity or an executive or a player who is important to bringing together all-star. And of course, we're going to have incredible one-of-one prizes, but it's those first parts telling the stories of this city that fans wouldn't otherwise get to experience that is so gratifying. So you never would have guessed when you were watching Reggie Miller break your heart that the day was going to come where you'd partner with the Pacers, right? I'll tell you this. Uh, Mel Raines gifted me a, a, a beautiful Pacers jacket. I, I rock it with pride. And, yeah. I, my, my 10-year-old self yeah, would, say, not, would not... 12-year-old you yeah, was like, what in the world? Yeah, would not love it. Yeah, I also grew up, a, a, as you referenced now, a, a, you know, a Georgetown guy, but I, um, I grew up a St. John's fan. So Ron Artest... Um, now, wait and, that, a minute. and Georgetown's one of the great academic institutions in America, but I go back to the Louis Carnesecca, John Thompson days. Like yeah. that, there is. If you're a St. John's fan, I mean, at some age you had to have set that aside and swallowed the pride to go to Georgetown, right? <laughs> I was a uh, mediocre college baseball player, so uh, that's how I, I ended up at Georgetown. It was a great, great institution for me. I went to law school there. I, I had a DC is an incredible place to go to school, um, but it, it happened to be a great baseball. Great baseball situation for me, which is how I ended up ended up at Georgetown. But yeah, I broke my beat, my Big East alliances uh, pretty quickly when I made that move. So when you were in college, did you kind of privately still root for St. John's when they took on Georgetown? You know, the great part about Georgetown, we were really good. This was, the, and you know, another person who's going to be in town, Roy Hibbert, Pacers great. Yeah, uh, Roy's a friend of mine. There's, that was the year the Jeff Green, Roy Hibbert, Jonathan Wallace. So my senior year, we went to the Final Four. So I wasn't rooting for anybody but Georgetown at that point. Actually, was that the Final Four that went up against Greg Oden? They did. And yep. Mike Conley? And Mike Conley, To yep. bring it to an Indianapolis Yeah, yeah, that, and, that one, uh, and that, one, uh, that one hurt. That was not, we, we were not close. <laughs> Indianapolis in breaks your heart again, right? <laughs> hey, um, so Joey, let me ask before we let you go here, and I appreciate the time. Um, kind of, if you could, give the calendar of events again, and I don't mean for people that have tickets to yeah. Saturday night or to the All-Star game, but people that want to come down, and this city does this, People that want to come down and simply soak in the ambiance and yep. feel a part of it, then they are going to be able to do which events and on what nights. Yeah. For me, you're going to want to follow NBAevents.com, which will have all of your access to, to ticketing information, and you're going to download the NBA Events app. And that will have our schedule, player appearances, drops, merchandise collaborations, all of the all of the things to be able to help you navigate the city. But we're, I'm going to want you to target Thursday, uh, the 15th, to be able to come down to the Pacers tip-off in Bicentennial Unity Plaza tips off at six o'clock and then come to the convention center for the Amex Roadshow right after uh, to be able to experience Shaq and Kenny and that crew. They're, they're so great. They're such ambassadors for the sport and leaders in this game. So come down and see some of that. And then we've got these incredible events then all weekend long. You want to be in downtown Indy, whether you have tickets to the celebrity game on ESPN um, and the great Stephen A. Smith being one of the coaches, or you decide uh, you just want to come down to the to uh, cross over, go do some of the arts and music things that are going to happen free in the city. That Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday are days you're not going to want to miss in downtown Indy. Are you guys, uh, I hate to ask this, are you prepared weather-wise? Like just in terms of people being able to get around, I don't know how many of these yeah. are outdoor events, uh, or like Georgia Street, that kind of thing. Well, you mentioned Rick Fusen. 
and uh, his leadership. He he started with the Pacers for the 1985 um, All Star, and in Rick, I trust. Um, nobody knows this city better. Nobody's a better leader, an incredible operator who, is, who has been a visionary for how to build and how to grow. Um, so when Rick says we're ready, we're ready. Uh, and I know we're not going to stop working until, until we are there. This year, NBA All-Star Saturday night is in a football arena, right? It's at Lucas Oil Stadium. Yeah. Is this very much a, a test cycle to some extent for how big All-Star Saturday night can get? Or do you envision that this is a one-off and, and it'll be at standard basketball arenas moving forward? To me, it's a true testament to Herb Simon and his leadership, right? He invested all of this money in these incredible renovations at Gaybridge, and his first decision was to decide to not have All-Star Saturday night happen in his building, but instead happen it down the street. And why? Because it gave more fans an opportunity to be able to experience All-Star Saturday night. We changed the capacity from you know the 17, 18,000 that we'd have into a 30-plus thousand seat opportunity, which opened up all of these fans. And then he went... A couple steps further. He made sure and bought 2,400 tickets to get to community groups. And then he made sure that the tickets um, in the upper levels were $24. That was all Herb Simon and his leadership and vision. And so whether we do this moving forward is unclear, but I, I want to focus on that because it's, to me, it's an incredible testament of selfless leadership and what it means to really put your money where your mouth is. And Herb and his vision and, and team and Steve Simon, just incredible. You know, it's interesting. We talked to Rick Fusen about this in the fact that in that All-Star game that Rick Fuse in the first one, the 85 All-Star game, it was the opposite because the All-Star game itself was in the then Hoosier Dome, later yep. RCA Dome, and then all of the festivities on Saturday night were at Market Square Arena, Jordan, Wilkins, Slam Dunk Contest, Ralph Sampson, the MVP of the All-Star game here. So does Ralph Sampson get free admission? I, I don't. I don't think. How, how would we say no to him? That's right. Yeah. This, I, you're gonna, let's do the invite right now. If, you're, if he's listening, let's get him in. <laughs> That's right. And same with Dominique, and same with I would imagine Jordan as well. Right. Of course. Of course. Um, so you mentioned some of you know Oscar Robertson carries some clout here because yes. you are. I don't know if you know this. I'm sure you do, but you're right now like less than a mile from his high school yep. in the area that he grew up. Um, what other legendary players are going to be descending upon Indianapolis? Well, I mean, certainly we know Reggie will be here. Um, we've obviously got a massive volume, Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, we've got a massive volume of legends that are coming into town that are going to be a part of all of these different events and experiences. And the great part for this is this is one of those moments to be able to welcome everybody back. It's like true NBA family that comes All-Star Weekend and things like the Legends Brunch that we have on Sunday morning um, gives us an opportunity to be able to honor and experience. And so Crossover alone is going to have 60-plus player and legend appearances. That's just one event. So you think about the volume of big names that are going to be in market. This is going to be one of those can't-miss moments. We'll have hundreds of celebrities. It's going to be exciting. And Crossover takes place where? At the Convention Center. I was going to say the Convention Center is probably the epicenter for a lot of these activities, right? If you were to give one event that fans would go to non All Star Game Division is that the one? Yeah, it's a, it, it, because I think you're going to spend all, you could spend all day there um, between the panels, the music performances, the activations, um, the ability to get ball basketball in your hand, the players and legends appearances, the merchandise we're going to drop. That becomes this way to be able to wrap all of these moments, and it becomes really dynamic as the weekend changes, the event changes, so we can highlight those special moments. So it's a place I certainly want our fans to be able to feel like 
is their home. I've seen a bunch of neon signs around town, like in storefronts, you know, that say, oh, yeah. sorry, do you get to take one of those home? Uh, you know what? I, I, now I do. <laughs> I feel like you just, you just, you just gave me permission to ask somebody. I mean, that would be like the, for you, that's got to be the number one souvenir, right? I, like, I, you know, uh, my, unfortunately I've got, I got a wife back home who I don't know that she, 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 she I don't know that she loves it. I continue to treat be like a Christmas yeah, story, right? I continue right? to treat our living room like my old locker room, but <laughs> that yeah. is beautiful. Oh, uh, so we're on YouTube live right now. One of our listeners asked Pat. Uh, once you have paid tickets for the crossover, is the meet and greet with legends and players included, or is there an extra fee? Nope, all included. Yeah, we um, it, we're, we're fan first. There's there's no upcharges uh, as part of uh, as part of the events. And again, nbaevents.com, is that right? Yes, nbaevents.com has all the ticketing information throughout the weekend. Um, as I referenced, more than 175,000 different ticketed opportunities we we put out. Joey Graziano, NBA head of event strategy and management, right? The title's too long. we got to work a, on that one. That is a good title, man. I like that. <laughs> and the pride of Georgetown. And you know what? Um, the pride of, tell me again, the the firehouse where your dad was. Yeah. Um, so it was on 85th and Lex, um, engine 22, ladder 13. And, and that obviously, I guess they were coming from all areas yeah. of Manhattan. Because for those that are not familiar with it, I mean, that's obviously quite you know the distance to downtown, right? But yeah. But everybody, all hands on deck on that day, and all heroes, certainly, no question about it. Well, Joey, we appreciate the efforts and um, look forward to it. We certainly look wait. forward to All-Star Weekend, right? Yeah, spend a little time together, hopefully. So, all right. Well, it sounds good to me. Um, again, big weekend coming up and downtown already. If you have not been downtown, you can see some of the street signs have already changed. I think we are currently sitting on, what are we on, Pelicans Boulevard? Is that right? Something yeah, like I think that. that's right. Somewhere Maybe. between Hawks Way, I think, yeah. <laughs> some intersection of some sort of birds, right? Uh, Joey, appreciate it. We'll continue uh, talking about what happened, of course, last night in college basketball. And then Tony East going to join us. Speaking of the Pacers, Tony going to join us 2 o'clock. And Anthony Leal, star of Indiana from their win against Iowa, joins us bottom of the hour, 2.30, coming up here on Quarry Company on a Thursday, 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. I won't lie. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. How do you guys? I kind of feel bad because when we gave away the tickets earlier, we have another set to give away, right, Eddie? I don't know if Mike is still listening, but I feel bad, and I'll tell you why. Because when we took it roulette style, and I asked him the trivia question, Mike sounds like a nice guy, right? Yeah. Said he's listening to the show a while, he's director of plumbing, we like that. And you crushed him. Well, I think (laughs) we lose sight sometimes of the fact that I do think that some people when they're on the radio just have a vapor lock. Like you if you want you know, there there's always those viral clips of like Wheel of Fortune of people where you're like, what is this person doing? And then you it's like, you know, under the and I'm not saying by any stretch we're Wheel of Fortune, but like people get on the radio and I think they just kind of loot they kind of panic a little bit. And they're like, oh my gosh, like what what is the answer? And they, they lose sight of what they were trying to say. And I think that happened with Mike. I think I put him on the spot. And took the tickets out of his hand, right? And he sounds like he'd probably like REO or Train or, you know, Yacht Rock. And certainly, who doesn't enjoy being out in the a nice summer night at Ruoff? It's the best. 
So I think we should have Mike call back and give him the tickets. Like, I want to do a make good on this. I don't know if Mike's still listening. He might have hung up and never – and then I thought about it and I thought, well, if we're if we're giving tickets away, we don't want to like – if people are kind enough to listen to this radio show, I don't. I want them to feel a part of it, not 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 feel belittled, right? And now I feel bad. And and listen, I can tell you guys, yesterday, Eddie, we talked about with my with me being admitting where I'm wrong about things. That's happened. I th- I think yesterday was the third time ever, right? The same holds true for me having like a guilty conscience. This is not. I mean, this is a fairly groundbreaking. Do we have breaking news? The breaking news sounder by chance, Eddie? If we had the yeah. Uh, breaking news, sometimes I feel guilty about things, right? This must have been really weighing on you because this is like three segments yeah. ago. I know, but like, you know what I mean? Like, maybe it was hear- hearing Joey talk about like the, I, I don't know, but but I thought to myself, here we are, we're, we are a city that is getting ready to enjoy an international spotlight and, and we need to just kumbaya, right? There's enough dislike. There's enough, uh, people don't want to listen to this radio show and, and feel like they're not as smart as the people on the radio, because they're certainly, they are, right? I don't want to be that guy. So I thought we should get Mike the tickets. But now I now we're at a crossroads because we, we don't, we, we don't actually, we don't know Mike's number, right? You've so, done all you can, I think. You've put it out there. If anybody's if anybody was listening and they know Mike, the plumber, can they get a hold of him? Mike, we're begging you. He could be doing a job right now. <laughs> you know, yeah, he could be he doing was a job. In the car. All he's the thinking guy, about doing that job is man, like, those tickets. Literally, I like somebody, somebody's basement was flooding, and Mike actually put it on hold in order to call us in. And then I just, I, you know, I threw out that trivia question. It is my favorite question, though. Leonard Coleman, defensive back of of Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt was the correct answer when I asked him the question. And, and he wasn't aware of the answer. And then I felt bad about it. So if we could get him to call back, that'd be wonderful. Is this right? a second half century at your life type of thing? Or is this just real world guilt that we're feeling together on a Thursday? You know, you would think that like, you know, I thought, I think I mentioned this yesterday. I, I was watching the, the open to all in the family and Edith and Archie Bunker, you know, when they're singing the song and, and, I looked it up and realized that they were 46 and 47 years old, respectively, when it was filmed. And I'm 51, and I'm like, I'm older than those two. So then you realize, and then you start thinking about weird things, and you're like, well, that was third. Like, he was talking about Reggie Miller. And I'm like, well, that was 30 years ago. And I'm like, in 30 years, I'm going to be an octogenarian or whatever they call that, right? And that's weird. But I think we both know, like, I ain't making it that long, right? I believe in you. I'm going to be like Northwestern last night. Like I'm in, I'm Northwestern last night. I'm in overtime at this point. I know that. I know I'm in overtime. I'm just trying to hit a few shots and not get called for too many fouls and and not have Zach Eady dunk like three times and then have people arm wrestling him. That's all I'm trying. Well, to do. if it is that, let's make it an eight overtime affair like Syracuse and UConn, uh, whatever, fifteen <laughs> or, years or ago. What was the was... one I mentioned earlier in Swayze, Indiana? Like the most overtimes in a football game or something like that. Yeah, they had a billboard forever. Uh, Tony East going to join us in just a couple of minutes. We'll talk about the fact Pacers in action, talking about the Knicks, by the way. Uh, one of the great places to watch a game, I've always felt, Madison Square in the Garden. And that's where the Pacers are tonight. We will have the conversation about that game, and we'll do it on the other side. I got Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. 
confused what was going on there. <laughs> what, 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 what's happening? I would say it's probably a song intro, what, but it said like we were what, watching what are a we movie doing here? for a what second. There? What's yeah, going on? I was trying to get to the intro, but I was on the phone with Tony. Yeah. Should, it's we, like a, it's should, a should we just start intro. that whole thing over again? No. You want just, to do that? No, let's just pretend it didn't happen. Uh, some guy was talking about a car there. Is that right? I feel like yeah, a perhaps. heist was about to go happen. Ahead, go ahead and hit me one more time with the breaking news center before we get to Tony. <laughs> uh, this just in what has been long speculated, but now we can officially say Indianapolis 500 champion Ryan Hunter Ray and Connor Daly, the pride of Noblesville, Indiana, and Heritage Christian School, will team up for Dreyer and Reinbold Racing in this year's Indianapolis 500. They will attempt to qualify as teammates for the 2024 Indianapolis 500 mile race that just in, although those of us in the, it came out the wrong way. I think most people that follow the 500 that's been rumored for a while, but now official uh, joining us now on the program, Tony East who writes about the Pacers, of course, locked on Pacers. And as well, you have Forbes, you have SI, a number of different outlets, uh, Pacers in New York tonight. Tony, how are you? I'm great. Busy day, trade deadlines in a week, fever, signing players, pace of play. How it is. All right, That's so give us, uh, since it's a busy time of day and you got news going, uh, get us up to speed with the news that you've been working on so far today. Good Lord. Uh, trade deadlines in a week, so starting out what the Pacers could do. Fever has, or have signed officially one player, going to sign another one. Uh, so their front court looks a lot better. Pacers play a really good Knicks team tonight, so – Trying to figure out what to expect in that one. We'll see if OG and OB plays. Lots going on in the uh, world of of uh, professional basketball in Indiana right now. By the way, um, how many season tickets do they sell next year, Tony, if Caitlin Clark decides to forego her final year of college eligibility and is selected by the Fever? I, I believe they've sold quite a few already. Uh, they, were, they were talking about our media seats being somewhere else next year because – the floor will be popping. So uh, I think they already have already done uh, quite a bit of that. So a lot to answer the question. Tony, when you look at where the Pacers are right now and the absence of Tyrese Halliburton at times and potentially getting him back, where where would you grade them over the last 10 games in terms of the adversity they've overcome, the Pascal Siakam edition, how they've melded all that? What grade would you give them? Great one. Uh, a, a minus B plus. I mean, the last 10, I'll be figure out exactly when 10 games ago was, but they, you know, they got smoked. In, yeah. Okay. So they got smoked by the jazz nine games ago, lost in Denver with Bruce Brown 10 ago, but so they're four and six in that stretch with the trade being involved, but their losses being at Denver at Phoenix versus the champs in, in Boston. Uh, and then also that one in Portland, that was a disaster. In general, you could have expected those losses even with a fully healthy Pacers team that wasn't integrating a new star. To steal that game in Sacramento without Siakam or Halberton was fantastic. To beat Philly and Phoenix at home was much needed for them to kind of stabilize. They obviously made their huge trade. They got Halberton back. The bad marks are the loss in Portland, obviously. Um, the Halberton and Siakam looked great together that game, but the team did not look good. The bench was atrocious. Uh, and, of course, him having that setback, right, playing in that game and then being forced to miss the next five uh, has some sort of effects on the Pacers. They may have had the same results given their opponents either way, but, you know, obviously less than ideal to have that be a situation. And now the 65-game rule is in place. They're not perfect. You know, it's certainly less than a than an A. I think A-minus is too high as well. But definitely in the B, 
B-plus, B-minus range. I mean, I think the results are fine, and they're certainly set up for a very strong close to the season given uh, that their schedule finally lightens up after this weekend. Tony, what have you seen so far from Pascal Siakam? Um, Offensively, I think we know he's a very gifted player. What have you seen from him defensively that may assist, or are there still do they still need wing help even after Siakam is completely kind of meshed and molded in? You can never have too many defending wings, right? Like if they got another one, everybody would understand. So I suppose in that way, yes, they could use some more help in that way. But you already saw, like, for example, their most recent game, they give up 81 in the first half to Boston. And then in the second half, they say, you know what? Let's put Pascal Siakam on Jason Tatum, right? And that was a huge adjustment. The Celtics were way worse in the second half. I don't, they didn't even crack 50 points that half. And the Pacers weren't quite able to come all the way back, but that was really significant. It required Jalen Brown and Derek White and Porzingis and a bunch of other guys stepping up to beat them instead of the wing that was absolutely dominating them in the first half. And yeah, Tatum had 30, but a lot of that came pre-Siakam defending him against Memphis. You know, I don't want to call back to preseason too hard because it was preseason, but many will remember that Jaron Jackson was just lighting up everybody in that Pacers-Grizzlies game in the preseason. And it, you know, Obi Toppin looked miserable defensively that game. He's been better since. But they play Memphis, you know, at home, their most recent home game. And Siakam was great on Jaron Jackson. In the clutch and throughout the game, Jaron Jackson still had a nice game. But, like, those little things are opportunities they haven't had before. They haven't had someone who's even been able to do that. It's not going to be every night, right? We already saw KD score 40 with Siakam on the team and some other wings have had better nights. But, like, even even guys we don't consider stars, right? Aaron Gordon was a 20-10 and 10 guy when they played in Denver without Siakam and then didn't even sniff those numbers when Denver was in Indy and Siakam was playing. So you've already seen how he can slow down guys that they don't typically slow down, but you, know, you could always use more defensive wings. I still maintain that his biggest defensive impact is that now everybody's guarding a position that makes sense for them, right? No more shorter guys guarding six foot nine power forwards or having to switch something up with Miles Turner and Jalen Smith or anything like that. Everybody's guarding their position, or at least their most natural position, and that is what makes their defense more threatening with him, more so than anything he specifically does. Pacers beat writer for Locked On Pacers, Forbes, etc. Tony East, one of the very best, taking some time with us. Tony, you and I have had this conversation off the air, but one of the things that drives me nuts when I look at teams and roster construction is when you have a player that's on an expiring contract and what you're to do before the deadline. You mentioned at the top of our conversation, trade deadline is a week away. One could argue, well, why rock the boat just because you're worried about losing a player in free agency? But they're going to have to make tough decisions this offseason when it comes to Buddy Heald, when it comes to Obi Toppin, depending on what happens with Jalen Smith. As you look at the Pacers roster, are they better to not rock the boat? Or if there is a fear of not re-signing somebody, should they try to package them for another asset or another piece that can help them that maybe has more team-friendly control. Yeah, now the the calculations with those moves are different than they were even before the Siakam trade or before, before the season, right? Because very clearly their goals now are to win, right? This second, and yeah, they want to develop too, of course, but they want to get better, right? So it's not the same as it was even at the start of January where you could look to move Buddy Hield or whoever for long-term value and be okay getting back a younger player or picks. Now you'd want talent back, right? You want someone who can help you, and now you have to make sure if you do a trade like that with Yield or Toppin or whoever, that the value you're getting back is worth it this season, too, because you're losing that player's contribution towards potentially a playoff push. I mean, they're firmly in sixth right now. The 
Miami Heat are sliding like crazy backwards in the standings. Four and five are going the other way and getting away from the Pacers. But they're, you know, two games ahead of seventh, right? Like, they were in six. They could make the postseason if they continue to play at this level the rest of the year. So if you trade away your expiring guys for lesser talents or long-term assets, you've got to tell the locker room, like, hey, it's that much harder to, for us to make the playoffs now because of how we managed our expiring. So their goals with those players changed. If they can get a longer-term salary slot for those players that makes sense for them or if they can get really good draft value that makes it a no-brainer move, then I think they have to consider it. And that is still the biggest storyline to me heading into their deadline is their expiring contracts. But there's always sign-and-trade opportunities. They can extend healed through June 30th. Hoppins a restricted free agent. So Jalen Smith's the, the one that's totally out of their control, I suppose, come February 9th. But, you know, in general, the calculations are different. It's not as urgent like it was last year with Miles Turner where it was they could lose him for nothing, and so they extended him. It's, you know, they have to think about the postseason this year, and that kind of changes, I think, how you think about your expiring as the Pacers. Tony, when it – and we've had this conversation before, I realize, but with Buddy Heald – you know, I do think Buddy Heald is just a really important locker room guy for them. We maybe use that term a little too much, a little too liberally, but players will tell you that, that Buddy Heald's a good locker room guy, right? I know he's on an expiring. Um, when when trying to determine the future of Buddy Heald, how much does something like that weigh in? You've already got Tyrese Halliburton locked in, and that's the guy that is tight with him the most. But does that factor at all, or does it simply come down to business? So it has to factor some, right? Like, it, 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 you can't say it's nothing, you know, especially on a team like this that's making kind of their first ascent, right, into postseason play. Like, you want to do it with the guys that you've kind of grown there with. But there is, like, tough decisions will be made along the way of a team going from, you know, developing to winning to trying to win a lot. Like, to, to, to point at the most recent champions, like, it was very painful for the Nuggets to trade Gary Harris, right, when they sent him to Orlando – that, that hurt. He was a key part of their growth in ascent. He's a good three-point shooter and defender. They got Aaron Gordon, so everybody knew why they did it. It made sense. They got a great fitting piece, but that was, like, really hard for the Nuggets to do. They did the same thing with Monte Morris to bring in, you know, uh, KCP and I, uh, Ish Smith, right, in that trade. Like, on one hand, you know, you love those guys. They're a good part of your culture. They've been with your team for a while. On the other hand, you do have to think about the best fitting pieces and parts for your specific team at all times. So, I think if they were a little farther in to their build or they've had some sniff of the playoffs before and they knew what they needed to win at that level, that would matter less. But right now specifically, that absolutely matters, right? He's a guy that, that his teammates like, and he ha- provides a skill uh, that, that is rare in the NBA and gets a ton of defensive attention. Like, he has value to their stretch run that has to be baked into any trade beyond just, well, his contract expires and we lose him at the end of the year, and he's a popular guy on the team. That matters. Tony East is our guest talking about the Pacers. Um, Tony, the other side of that, and maybe this is impossible to know until after the trade deadline, but you know, Rick Carlisle has kind of used different, some of it by necessity, but he's used different uh, rotations throughout the course of the year so far. And then at the end of the year, inevitably, rotations shorten up and they tighten a little bit. Um, is there anybody that you look at now that has kind of played their way into – being in the rotation for the majority of the season that you would not have guessed at the beginning of the year? Uh, that's a good question. You know, I think their starting lineup that they used in Boston is going to be locks all to play. So that, that if you look at the bench, I mean, there's a lot of guys that are interesting. I mean, the, the, 
The name that came to mind when you actually said the question out loud to me was Ben Shepard, which is interesting because, like, when I think about the postseason or the stretch run when the game's really important, I wouldn't think you'd be excited about turning to your 26th pick. And you have Andrew Nemhart as a, you know, reserve perimeter defender now, and they'll have, you know, Matherin, McConnell, all those guys. But, like, Shepard might be in their best defensive five, right? I, I don't know that they'll ever turn to just their straight-up best five players on defense for significant stretches, but that's going to matter. That could matter for them. Uh, down the stretch of this season, you know, uh, and and I didn't expect that. His offense needs to come around. He needs to knock down some shots. But if he can be a quality defender, that's that's going to matter. He's got some size on that end of the floor. But it sure seems like the starters they used in Boston, plus Emhard, Matherin, McConnell, Toppin, Smith, I mean, that's their 10. So Shepard's on the outside of that crew. But he's been playing great recently, so maybe they have to kind of rethink that crew. But even 10 guys is probably too much for the postseason, right? So maybe Toppin doesn't get as much burn in the playoffs. Maybe one of Nemhard or McConnell doesn't get as much burn in the playoffs. It's hard to say. I think they're kind of going to iron that out with their new look team as season progresses. Tony East is our guest, covers the Pacers for Locked on Pacers, has a great conversation in podcast form with cap guru himself, Bobby Marks, that you're looking to check that out in between now and next Thursday. I'm sure it'll be very insightful. Tony, this Pacers team is navigating, as we mentioned at the top of our conversation, through injuries and through different aspects of where – their timeline is compared to the rest of the league. And with those injuries, Tyrese Halliburton's been the main topic of conversation because this past offseason, the NBA pushes 65 games or minimum in order to be eligible for all NBA MVP and awards that for Tyrese could cost them a significant amount of money. Are you surprised at the discord that has happened with this conversation on injuries and load management and all of that? And then where is the line between, well, maybe the league should have a built-in caveat to this that says if it's not load management, it's legitimate injuries, that threshold should be modified. How do you see it? Yeah, my opinion on the rule is that, I, like, I think it's good that the NBA is trying. This is embarrassing for the league that I'm saying this out loud, but it's good that the league is trying to get their guys to play as much as possible via whatever incentive that requires, whether that's award eligibility or whatever it may be. Uh, and I get why players hate the rule because, you know, what is, what is Tyree Tal- like, don't, don't hurt your hamstring. Like, of course, he doesn't want to do that, right? So it, it stinks for him. The thing that I don't like about it specifically is Tyrese Halberton's a, a case example for this, but there could be other guys who become super max eligible this season that it matters for. The fact that the 65-game rule is tied to an award that is also tied to your contract, I think that's where this – can be kind of weird or has a gray area to me that I don't think makes a lot of sense in that, you know, just because you hurt your hamstring and missed 20 games instead of 17, you are now ineligible for 40 extra million dollars that your team agreed you were entitled to if you made the team. Like, that seems wrong to me, you know, and so maybe they make it so you're still eligible for that bump in another way. I don't know what that could look like. Um, but that's the part that rubs me wrong about it. And, uh, you know, Tyrese Albert said he thinks the rule's stupid and that other players certainly agree with that. And it's in the CBA. Like, this was negotiated by the Players Association and the NBA. So, certainly there was – I don't know how much fighting there was about this rule specifically. But it, it, it's weird that, you know, injuries can have that kind of impact. And, like, you know, you could, you could play 62 games and play more minutes than a guy who plays 66, for example. But – you're just not eligible. So there's just a lot of weirdness to it. I think it's a good rule. I think encouraging players to play as often as possible, trying to combat the rest problem the NBA is happening is good, right? That That is something the NBA should be trying to do, as embarrassing as it is. But in, you know, this is, you know, an indie show. In Halliburton's case specifically, it stinks that 
he doesn't care. I don't think he necessarily cares about making all NBA more than anything. I mean, it'd be a great honor and he's deserved it. He's played fantastic. But the fact that he now has to think about pushing through injury because of 40 plus million dollars is not the thing I think the NBA should have set up. And that's the situation that there is right now. Well, he mentioned it yesterday when we had him on the program that if he could, he would play all 82 games. And this is not a load management thing for him. Would an alternative way for the league to have solved this and maybe this is crazy, but just looking at alternative ways to try to limit load management, and that's a big deal for both the market, the way they market stars, and fans' checkbooks and pocketbooks of paying for tickets, and then a star player is not available that night. Would it have been better for them to have gone the other way and said, okay, you have a max of seven games that you can miss a year specifically for load management. Would that have been a better way just to address it and say, hey, we get it, we know it happens, but this can't happen all the time? 100%, Jimmy, I think that would have been better. And like 65 is an interesting number to me because if the goal of the rule is to get players to play, right, they don't care about injuries there. Like who was resting 17 times in a season? I I know that (laughs) – you know, Kawhi Leonard, I guess you could say that. I don't even think he was resting that often, right? And, like, sometimes that's a team decision, not a player decision, too. So it, there's just a lot of wrinkles, too. But I agree with you 100%. Or even, like, you have to, like, circle days and submit them to the league of, like, this is when we could do it with these players or something because, you know, our, our doctor said, the research said this would be a good day or something like that to say. Well, they do it in baseball. Eight, they do it in baseball. You see it all the time. You could guess if you follow a team, hey, this is going to be a rest day because this is right, the pattern right. that they do. Exactly. So, you know, you, th- that would be good for fans, obviously. But you never know. Like, that game could become more important or maybe they're good to go. You, know, just, you just never know for sure. But I agree with you for sure that capping the missed games for non-injury-related reasons would have been much better than just a blanket, hey, if you missed 18 games, too bad, so sad. You are no longer eligible for these awards, and in a lot of cases, a lot of money that you negotiated with a team that you earned. Tony, when, you stick, when you're at games, do you stick around at halftime or do you go into like the media room or, or do you sit out in the arena during halftime? <laughs> Somehow my answer is neither. I, uh, I get up and I walk a lap or two at club level because I'm sitting the whole freaking day. So, so I don't see the halftime show or go to the media room. <laughs> uh, so I was going to ask what your like Mount Rushmore of halftime shows is. Oh, I can answer that though. There are some I stay for. I mean, I mean can I just can I just say four red pandas? <laughs> yes, yeah, I mean that's I red. It. Red pandas is like the. I mean, there's no question, right? And for those that are yeah. unfamiliar, red panda is the woman that has like a 20 foot tall unicycle and then uh, flips bowls from her foot to her head. Uh, it's unbelievable, right? That's basically. Describing the, it sounds like you're making this up. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's crazy. Now I stay. I stay for frisbee dogs. Okay. I, I think those. I think those are fun. I stay for baby races. I think those are pretty fun. Um, I wish I watched the speed painter this year. I, I missed that one because I was walking around, but that turned out to be pretty cool. But uh, those. Can I make a Mount Rushmore three? I think those would be my three. Well, okay, there there are two that I've seen recently. Uh, one of which I think is just lame, and the other one that I think is very underrated. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. The lame one is this fella Slotic. Are you familiar with him? He's he comes out like in a weird Batman suit, and then he just stacks chairs. I mean, it's it's 
unbelievably impressive, no question about it. He climbs on top of him. Anything, anything where you're balancing on heights where you could fall just stresses me out. I, don't want <laughs> I know that's what I mean, right? The whole I mean, time I'm like, should stress me out, but it's so cool that I say anyway. Yeah, Am I a I bad person that I occasionally root for the chairs? No, that, I that, okay. totally I agree. Just, in, the, in the case of Slotic, I, I actually said to the guy next to me, I go, you know, deep down, I kind of want to see what happens when this guy bites it because he had to have at some point, right? A lot and, of that's any man-made height thing, like. Boomer goes up on that cable up to the rafters right Crazy, after the third man. quarter. Yeah. And it's a man-made cable. Like, I know he's comfortable with it because he does it every game. But I'm like, oh, I don't, I can't watch. I can't he watch. signs well, a waiver. In the case of Slotic, I'm thinking to myself, like, how much alcohol was involved the first time he decided to try this, <laughs> right? Um, okay, the other one, the other day I saw it and I was like, and I think I've, I've been at games where this show has gone on. I think at IU games it gets a rousing ovation. Have you seen the firecracker jump uh, jump rope kids? Yes, they did the human rope this week. I love that one. That, I mean, that's impressive, man. That's impressive. Now, I I, I feel bad for the, the kid that is the human rope that they're, that they're flinging around. I'm like, I, I mean, what are the chiropractor bills for that kid at the age of 30, right? I mean, I'm no doctor, but I can figure this kind of crap out, right? I'm just saying. Our are good too. I forgot that that was this week. That's a fun one. I agree. Yeah, that is that is a good one. All right, Pacers tonight in action, taking on the New York Knickerbockers. Either one of you guys know what a Knickerbocker is? It's an article of clothing. That's a knicker. I believe <laughs> I'm correct in this. We'll have to look this up and have Eddie Tony. Do you have a guess? Is it? Uh, I think I know, but I now that you're making me guess, I think I'm wrong. Isn't it just like how people call? Indiana people Hoosiers. It's like a term for New Yorkers. I believe a Knickerbocker is an original New York Dutch settler. Oh. I believe that's correct. More specific than my answer. Now, do you know the origin for Hoosier, Tony? <laughs> well, I went to IU, so I should say, yeah, obviously I know that, but I, uh, I do not know that. The, the most plausible explanation that I have heard. Is it the old, old tale? The old bar tale? <laughs> the who's ear, yeah. that one? Yeah. The, there's that, and there's knocking on the doors, you know, who's there? The most plausible explanation that I have heard is during the cultivation of land on the northern end of the Ohio River, the foreman for men that were developing that land, his last name was H-O-O-S-E-R, and therefore those gentlemen, when they would go into places, said, we are Hoosers men. Okay. And therefore Hoosiers. Eddie? You are all three correct. What do you mean? So, Jake, what you said is correct. Is a Dutch settler. A character that became synonymous with the New York City. Okay, Jimmy's also correct that it is a bag, uh, an item of clothing. They're well, baggy that's a, pants. That's a knicker, but they're also called knickerbockers. Are they really? Yes. Okay. And Tony was also correct. It is a New Yorker. How about that? We all win. Wow. What a day. Okay. Well, mine was the most elaborate. Who, who the wagered correct. the most points in trivia, though? That's, <laughs> that's, 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 what it that's right. How's Pepper, Tony? She's great. She's asleep as usual. So okay. uh, no one that sounds like a dying child is uh, going to bother us on this call. <laughs> Tony, we appreciate the time as always. We'll look for your coverage after the Pacers and Knicks and then the Sacramento Kings coming here tomorrow night. Appreciate it. You got it. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, Tony East joining us on the program. Um, I Can you look up Dandy Man? D-A-N-D-Y-M-A-N, a dandy man. I think a dandy man is a, synonym, is a synonym for Knickerbocker. Do you uh, do you feel extra guilty because we're all winners, but Mike isn't? Is that, <laughs> that way on you now? I do, yeah. Now we have Ws. Thank you for bringing up the things that are going to keep me awake late at night. Eddie, yes. It's a clothes-wearing man, man whose trade, office, and existence consists in wearing of clothes. Oh, okay, well.
That's better than a naked guy, I guess, right? I guess we're all rather have a dandy man living across the hall than a non-dandy man. Is that what we're saying? I guess we're all one of those, right? Yeah, we're all wearing clothes, right? Yeah. I mean, and Jimmy's is, Jimmy's is debatable because he's starting to repeat the Chiefs t-shirts, but, you know, that's okay. Got to do what you got to do. Yeah, Kevin did do a show once shirtless, right? Now, I heard Andy this morning ask Kevin if he's ever been to the Indy 500. That seems a, a, a rhetorical question, does it not? Yeah. They were talking about the EDM show, and Andy said, now, have you been to the 500? Kevin said, yes, I'm, I'm familiar with the Indianapolis 500. I want to be there when Andy Sweeney goes to his first Indy 500. You know, I'm sure he would actually gladly welcome that. And I'm sure you will be there. I will be there. That is correct. God willing, right? Um, you guys sit, Jimmy, you have been to how many Indianapolis 500s? Just two. Two? What years? Recently? Uh, 2011, and then I think once when I was in grade school, but I can't remember the year. You sat where? Who won? I don't know. Okay. Eddie, you've been to how many Indy 500s? I have been to every one since 2017. And you sit where? Top of uh, turn one. That's a good seat. Underneath. Jimmy, where'd you sit? I got to be honest with you, Jake. That 500 specifically, it was so hot, and I was a I was a complainer as a youth in 2011. I was so it was so miserable that I it's all a blur. But what was the year before that you that you went? 2000. Did it rain? No, it did not. Okay, rain. it wasn't 2007 then. No, it wasn't 2002. Um, you don't remember who won? Was there a fantastic finish? Dan Weldon. Dan won. Weldon won it that year. 11. Well, 11, I know. I'm talking about the other year. You said you've been twice, no, right? No, Not a fantastic finish. So it wasn't 06? No. It wasn't 07? Okay. Scott Dixon win? Yes. 2008? Okay. There you go. I knew we'd find that out. I knew we'd get there in the end. That's right. Um, but I want to be there. Like, maybe I should take, like, well, I can't take Andy to the race, but I want to be there to see his reaction the first time he goes. I mean, you have the golden ticket or the golden pass, right? I do have the golden badge. That's correct. That's right. The gold badge. I can yeah. show him wherever he wants to go. But on race day itself, a little tied up. Yeah. Could he spot for you? I've already actually, uh, Graham Rahal's foundation, uh-huh. the Graham Rahal Foundation, which helps, I believe, um, military veterans, they had called me a couple of months ago and asked if I would be willing to, and I've done this before, to auction off my spotter position, which I did. So my spotter position has been filled. To We used that to help raise money for military veterans through Graham Rahal's foundation. So That's awesome. He could probably come up if he wanted to. I, we can make room. It, you know, to be honest with you, the spotter's platform is not – There's Kevin, Kevin, you ever been to the Indy 500? Kevin Bowen just walked in. I, I have been to the Indy 500. Did you wear, uh, were you at the EDM concert when you were there? I, I have never been to the Snake Pit. Just out of curiosity, what brings you in here this late in the day looking uh, for headphones? I need headsets? my headset for an interview that we are about to record. Great to see you, boys. Good to see you, too. Yeah. I uh, really enjoyed Ben Shepard earlier. He was good, right? He, he's a bright fellow. He is a bright yeah. fellow. I he like that good. Indiana State shirt, Jake. Thank you. The uh, Sycamores gave me this a couple years ago, and I thought based on the fact that they just beat Ben Shepard's Belmont Bruins. Yeah. You look trees. legit. Well, Kevin, this is what I look like when I've had sleep. Well, yeah. <laughs> you seen that in you a wouldn't know that, right? Uh, it, it's a 2.30 interview. I got to run. Jimmy? Great to With see you. who? All the best. Uh, George Odom. George, safety. George Odom, 49ers safety. Going to soon be on. I'm chopped liver, I suppose. With uh, KB and Andy in the wake-up call. Maybe they could ask George about the Andy 500. Uh, Anthony Leal, did you get a hold of him, Eddie? Yes, sir. Yeah, okay, and are we doing that next? Yes, sir. You got his phone number and everything? 
Well, he's calling us. But, he's calling us. All right. Yeah. Anthony Leal's going to call us. And we're going to talk to the guy that had his career high for Indiana and helping them defeat Iowa some 48 hours ago. That conversation hopefully going to happen next if Anthony calls in. You're listening to Quarry Company here on a Thursday, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Tuesday night, one of the real... Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Good stories and one that I would imagine, and listen, I went to IU. I had one shining moment in an intramural game. I walked on cloud nine for like a week and a half. Nobody else but me cared. But for our next guest, it was the talk of Bloomington, Anthony Leal, who had a breakout game, 13 points career high in helping Indiana. He was a catalyst to help the Hoosiers beat Iowa, joins us on the program. Anthony, thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm doing well. You? I am fine, thank you. I am happy to be talking to you. I want to go back to this. Uh, take me through just what you know the last day and a half have been for you, because you've been the talk of Indiana basketball. I'm sure you're aware of it. Yeah, I've uh, I've been getting a lot of love, and it's uh, been really nice just to see all the support and all the encouragement that everybody's been giving me. Um, I've been trying to be about the right thing since I got here on campus four years ago, so uh, to, to have a game where you know it pays off and, and people start to see the work that I've always been putting in has, has been really special. I'm her, I'm sure that you, Anthony Leal, saw or heard the comments that Mike Woodson had after the game, and I'm paraphrasing, but basically saying, you know, you're the ultimate teammate. You're the ultimate professional in the in the way that you approach each and every day waiting for your number to be called. There had to have been times, had to have been, where you started to second guess whether or not there, you know, it was going to be worth it in time. Was there? I'd say maybe brief moments, um, you know, just in my mind. But then I come back to reality and I realize, like, I grew up in Bloomington. I, I grew up going to games. I've wanted to put this jersey on since I could dribble basketball. So once I, you know, come back down to earth and I realize that, you know, whether or not I'm playing 40 minutes a game or two minutes a game, I'm still living out the dream that, that I've always wanted to do. So that kind of that kind of perspective has been really helpful for me whenever, you know, doubts or, or questions start to creep in. Naturally speaking, Anthony, for you, and, and I don't mean this as a knock on any of your teammates at all, okay? Like, I went to IU, and I know that, you know, when I went to IU, I was a diehard basketball fan because, like you, I had grown up in Indiana, right? And Indiana basketball was so special. And having classmates that were not from Indiana, I felt like I had to kind of educate them on what Indiana basketball was. And they got it eventually. Did you have that role at all with your teammates? Have there been guys where you feel like you've had to say to them, look, this is what this jersey means? Um, I'd say yeah, but not like directly, you know, saying this is what it means, but just in the way that I approach things every day and, and practice and film um, in, in the weight room, in games, during games. I think that just my approach and the way I handle myself through my actions kind of shows, you know, hopefully shows other guys what it means to put the jersey on. And, and that's kind of my focus is just honoring the people who have, who have worn the jersey before us and, and all the history of the university. So I, I do think that there's definitely some educating to be done for people who are not, you know, born in Indiana, but at the same time, I, I do it through my actions. 
You know, that game, let's go back to it. Um, you, you get in there and you're in the game late and then shots start coming to you. And and obviously you're able to to get your career high of 13 and, and really be a catalyst. Um, through the course of the game, did, did you feel at any point like it was kind of your night, if you will? Not necessarily, no. We we built a, a lead in, in the first half, and I was able to hit a couple shots. But then, coming out of the second half, they we uh, you know X had gotten hurt. We we lost the lead a little bit, and it, it started to become a really close game. So I was more focused on just trying to make sure that we won. You know, I, I was aware that I was scoring some points for the first time and basically ever. But um, at the same time, that's no good if we lose the game. So the, the main focus was just trying to make sure that we could get a win. And with that now, I mean, obviously it was a huge win for you guys, right? And, and I know this sounds weird, Anthony. This is a media talk, not not a player talk. It was uh-huh. one of those games that I looked at it going into it, and I thought, okay, it's more like a game Indiana can't afford to lose than it is that Indiana has to win. I know that sounds weird, but here you are now. How much do you guys get caught up in kind of what that means in terms of a momentum game and the chance to build off of it now with Penn State coming into Assembly Hall? For sure. I mean, we – we played three games before this Iowa game against top 10 teams. Um, we lost all three, but we know we've still got nine more games left now in the Big Ten, and we know that we've got a chance to accomplish our goals, you know, uh, win the Big Ten tournament, make it to March Madness and that sort of thing. But we knew it had to start with this one, and we got to protect our home court as always. So that, that's the, been the main focus. And, I mean, we, we lost three in a row last year, um, went on to win eight of nine to finish out the, the Big Ten. So we know that that sort of feeling can help us build build and you know learn how to win and help us grow close together so that's kind of what we've been focused on Anthony why or what motivated you to stay the course over the last couple of years because the transfer portal is a tool and I don't judge players when they use it but it's a tool where if you feel like opportunities aren't there you can go somewhere else where maybe the grass is greener and I know you have the Bloomington and the Indiana ties but but what made you not want to utilize that and and stick with it at Indiana? Um, I think that just goes back to, again, this being my dream and, and everything that I've ever wanted is just to represent this university and, and put the jersey on and be able to play for the Hoosiers. So I think that just being a part of that and, you know, knowing it's a part of it's about being a part of something bigger than myself has kind of kept me here and, and I've, I've got no regrets so far. Anthony Leal, our guest. Okay, so Anthony, staying the course at Indiana, not only do you get the opportunity like you did the other night, but you also have your degree, your undergrad degree. You're working on your postgraduate degree right now. Take me through, what's your your undergrad degree? My undergraduate is in entrepreneurship and corporate innovation. (laughs) Which is really impressive sounding, right? So, like you're Elon Musk is what that means, right? Hopefully one day, yes. (laughs) What, what, like if you... Aside from basketball, okay, I mean basketball goes without saying. But when you when you think about what your career aspirations are, you would like to be doing what when you are all grown up? That's a good question. I'm not sure. I've got my realtor's license right now, so I've been a licensed realtor for a couple of years. Um, you know, buying and selling houses. I've got a couple other startups that I've been working on. So hopefully, just you know, a business owner who is successful enough to provide his family a good life you've already provided your sister a good life right wasn't that was it last year or two years ago when that video went viral that'd be two christmases ago okay and so you for those that don't know you paid your sister's student loans is that right yes sir Uh, and 
I've you know I've never had a chance to talk to you since that video and the whole world saw it. Um, what went on in that video that we didn't see? I, I mean, like how emotional was it? How how I guess satisfying was it to be able to do that for your sister? That was is definitely the most you know satisfying and wholesome thing that I've ever been a part of in my life. Um, just to see the relief and you know the emotions that my sister showed um, when I delivered that gift to her. It was uh is really special because I know that student debt can really be a, a serious problem. And for her to be able to go into now her postgraduate um, education without having any student debt was huge. So it was, it was a blessing to be able to do that. And I'm just, you know, I love my sister. So when you guys, Anthony Leo of Indiana, our guest, when you guys have injuries, you know, Khalil Ware, who I thought was sensational against Iowa, missing a couple of games, obviously Malik Renew now, you know, getting hurt, Xavier being hurt for a better part of the year. How difficult is it as a team to just kind of get cohesiveness and footing of where you want to be when you have a consistent roster change at the fault of nobody? Yeah, I, I mean, coming into the year, we had 10 new guys. Uh, we've not had many games where we've all been healthy. So it's been it's been difficult to just kind of get in a groove and, and stay flowing and, you know, build from game to game. But at the same time, you know, we're all we're all working towards the same goal and we're all committed to, you know, the next guy up mentality. So um, with X Malik potentially being out or whatnot, you know, guys have to be ready to step up. Anthony, I know we've talked about it a time or two, but I think there's a lot that young high schoolers around the state of Indiana and around all of college basketball, for that matter, that aspire to get to that next level can learn from your story of perseverance and of and of staying true to not just what you believe in, but what you feel like your mission is a part of Indiana basketball. Over the last three and a half years, there's been a coaching change. There's been not knowing where your minutes were going to come from. What was going through that adversity like, and what did you learn about yourself through this process? It's definitely difficult. You know, it's it's never easy coming in with expectations and then, you know, not seeing them come to fruition right away. But during that time of, of waiting and having to be patient, I think it's a great opportunity to just to grow, prepare yourself when that time does come, you know, uh, strengthen your faith. And for the, for me, it was really those things um, – because obviously I had a really strong belief that my time was going to come. And I know that if I'm sitting around pouting that I'm not playing as much or I'm not, you know, the star player or whatnot, then when my name does get called, I'm not going to be ready. So just staying ready, being patient and, and growing in my faith. Hey, whenever you go to a high school around Indiana, Anthony, if they've had a Mr. Basketball in their, you know, the career of the school, they have the number one jersey hanging like in the gym. Mm-hmm. And then I always wonder, like, so does the guy like give that to the school, or does the school get one, and the kid gets one, and the parents get one? How many number one jerseys did you get? And like, if I told you right now that you had to, you know, present it within twenty minutes for a huge cash prize, would you be able to find exactly where it is? Yeah, I've got a couple. Um, there's one hanging up at my high school gym, and then I believe I've got two at home. So. Now, the, the two at home, I mean, are they framed and, like, hanging right above the, the mantle of your parents' fireplace? That's what I'd do, right? One one is, is framed and hanging in our basement, and the other is just in my closet <laughs> in, case, in case I want to throw it on every night. I was going to say, you ever just throw it on and go – like, that'd be the other great thing is I'd be a total ringer, right? I'd just show up at some pickup game somewhere. Oh, let me go change real quick and then throw that on, right? Right. I mean, right. that'd That'd be awesome. I'd be walking around with that with that degree that there's no way I could ever obtain in entrepreneurship and futuristic 
ownership of company or whatever that was. And your <laughs> the the degree you're working on now is what? I'm getting my uh, my MBA through the Kelly School here at IU, and I haven't decided what specification that's going to be in, but likely finance or marketing. So, and you'd be set, man. Um, how yeah. much do you guys look at? like bracketologies and that stuff. Fans love it. Media, we look at it as a barometer. Um, you guys, I would think it can become a dangerous thing, but how much do you realistically keep track of where you guys are versus where you need to be for the tournament? Uh, it's not so much being focused on, you know, bracket predictions, but we, we've set kind of a baseline for, you know, amount of wins that we want to have um, and stuff like that. So we're just trying to stay on pace with that, and and that comes down to you know trying not to lose at home, and then being able to steal some on the road in the Big Ten. Anthony Leal is our guest. Anthony, when my wife and I were students at Indiana, our favorite spot to go to, I think, was one of your favorite spots. I understand it in Mother Bears, and I know in a world where we have you know NIL and opportunities to be able to partner with a local restaurant like that has to be pretty cool. Walk me through the Leal deal that, as they promoted it back in November. Uh, yes, sir. So I've got the Leal deal at Mother Bears in Bloomington. It's uh, it's boneless wings and some cheesy bread, uh, which is what I love there. Obviously, their pizza is amazing as well. But that's what I went with when deciding what the Leal deal was going to be. It's uh, it's uh, you get a discount for it, and it, it's really good. So I, I recommend trying that out if anybody's in town. Now, do you go cheesy bread straight, or what's your sauce? What do you dip with with that? I go cheesy bread with some with some ranch. Nice. So. <laughs> That is as Hoosier as it gets right there, right? Dreaming of playing for IU and winning a game for him as much Hoosier as Ranch. Uh, Anthony Leal, before we let you go, I want to do this. And I've done this with a lot of people when I interview them on the radio, okay? Um, I'm always under the assumption that there could be somebody in the car with their parents right now listening that's a 14-year-old kid, 13-year-old kid, boy or girl. And, you know, they're, they're seeing that their classmates are – right now faster than they are or better shooters than they are or whatever sport it may be and they're a little insecure about it and they have the belief in themselves but sometimes that belief is tested and it's hard and it's challenging and it's kind of what your college career maybe at times has been of having to always believe and know your moment's going to come what do you say is you go back and look at Anthony Leal as a younger person what did that young man do that people listening right now can learn from and what would be the blueprint you would tell them to get to the point of where they want to be? I would say um, even through the doubts, you know, just keep working as hard as you possibly can and enjoy every second of it because the struggle and the grind of it is what makes it all worth it. And never underestimate the mental side of things. You know, um, there's a lot of value in in being a smart guy and, and being a, smart with the game of basketball so just love what you're doing and and be committed to the team and not just your your own success and eventually uh your own success will come was there a danger in you getting too complacent off that game at iowa as opposed to let's go do it again no it's always next game mentality um we got more games to win to, to get to our goal so that's the focus Anthony, if you don't mind me asking, where are you at from an eligibility standpoint? I know the COVID years, things kind of get lost in that. Is this it for you, or do you have another year of eligibility? And if you do, have you given any thought to that? I do have another year of eligibility. Um, I haven't really given it much thought. My my master's program is a two-year program, and I'm only in the first year. So, you know, hopefully 
I'm I'm welcome to back to where I can complete my masters and and play another year, but we'll see. So when, let's when go, I... right? Let's go. Yes, sir. All right, Anthony Leo coming off a great performance against Iowa getting set Indiana and Penn State on Saturday at Assembly Hall. I know it's probably been a bit of a whirlwind and to be able to get you away from Mother Bears long enough to catch a couple minutes with us is greatly appreciated. Certainly wish you the best of luck, not only on the rest of this season, but hopefully next year as well, Anthony. We look forward to talking to you again. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right, Anthony Leal joining us here on Query and Company on a Thursday edition, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. The Jay Cook Plays of the Day. This is me, all right? I'm not a athlete. This is my way. This is how I win. Today's plays of the day, NBA and college hoops is our game. We'll take Wisconsin to win on the road at Nebraska, that at minus 110 on the money line. Pacers-Knicks tonight, there's one for the Pacers to snag. The Knicks are top three in the Eastern Conference, going to be without Julius Randle. We'll take the Pacers outright on the money line. And the usual, Tyrese Halliburton over on points and assists, that number is 25 and a half. Eddie, anything for you today? No, but it's worth noting uh, the Knicks... Or like fourteen and two in their last sixteen, and are on a sixteen winning streak, something like that. Can't remember. Man, fourteen and three after tonight. That's tough. Now, I, are you I worried about your the optimism. minute restriction in your over under there for Halliburton? Am I one more time? Sorry. Are you worried about the minutes restrictions? A little bit, but that number has been reflected in that. I think it was thirty one and a half the other night, and now it's down to twenty five and a half. I feel like if they can get enough moving early that that's not going to be a number that should concern you, but that is a good point to take that into account given who knows how progressive the Pacers are with bringing him along. He had 13-10 and 10 against Boston Tuesday night, and he shot like 5 of 17. I don't know the exact number, but it was way below you know his shooting averages. He was like 1 of 6 or 7 from 3, and the only one he made was that half-court shot to end the first half. So seems like a smart bet to me. By the way, Isaiah Rogers, the banned Indianapolis Colts cornerback, uh, I guess bad segue based on that conversation, um, says that you know he is currently, of course, suspended by the NFL for betting on his own team, says that he actually did so for other people because they were in Florida where, at that time, app betting was not legal. And so he was doing it for others, mm. although he knew the rules and therefore um, you know, should have known better. I would agree with that. I mean, you, you got to know, right? Yeah. You got to know. Now, having said that, let me just pick my random in or uh, excuse me NCAA game of the night here. You ready? I'm looking over the schedule. Uh, ooh, James Madison uh, is playing Kennesaw State. Stephen F. Austin. Uh, looking through, are we talking scoops and that kind of thing? It's your canvas, Jake. You could go money line. You could scoop. You could go on a total. Go over under on a game total. I wonder if, if you my, wanted. my buddy Randy Bennett. I wonder if his his guys are playing tonight. Because I'm a big St. Mary's guy, you know. Randy okay. Bennett, who I met at the Final Four years ago. We've had him on the show a couple of times over the course of my time. All right, here we go. Totally random. Uh, my game of the night. Northern Colorado and Idaho State. Take Northern Colorado all night. Tickets are as low as 8 bucks for that game. Okay, but now I have to ask. Are we going straight up on the money line, or are we going with the points? Money line. North, uh, Northern Colorado, straight up money line. Okay. Yeah. What do you have on it? you got to risk 470 to win 100 on them. Does that mean they're favored? They're favored. Favored. Minus 470. Oh, that's... I'm going lame on that then. A little bit, yeah. So let me go with a different one here. You ready? Yep. Uh, 
How about this? Long Beach State is at Cal State Bakersfield. Oh, that's a late night newsroom Lo- call if I've ever heard <laughs> one. Sports. Uh, yeah, do you know the um, the final of the Long Beach State Cal State Bakersfield <laughs> game? Uh, take Long Beach State, baby. That that that's closer. Uh, minus one fifty five favorites, so one fifty five to win a hundred. If you were betting that, okay. On the road. right now, in all of the games in college basketball, the the literally the least expensive tickets. Right now, if you're looking, okay, Tulane at SMU. Tickets are two bucks. Two bucks to go see Tulane and SMU. All I got to do is figure out transportation, and I'm there. Tulane's twelve and eight. I watched last night Tulsa and Wichita State, or Wichita State, as I like to call it. Um, and I'm watching it, and in Wichita State, it was you know I'm like this is a team that was. You know, I mean, hell, like back-to-back late in the year undefeated seasons, Wichita State, Greg Marshall and that group. And I watched it, and I'm like, there is no offense or like half-court set being played by either team in this game. It was bad. Does this mean that you can't judge Eddie and I anymore when September rolls around and we're telling you how we stayed up till 2 in the morning finishing a Wyoming game? Does that mean that we're we're all even now? Well, if it's Wyoming, I'm all about it. Well, I, I know that's a bad example, but that's just the first one that came to the top I've of my head. I never judged that. I mean, I was I was at the gym and it happened to be on, and so I'm like, right. well, you know, that's- Jimmy, I always stay up late to watch Hawaii whenever I'm up. So I understand that. If you're if you're setting the alarm for 4 a.m. to find out the score of baseball <laughs> scores in the Korean league because you wagered on it, that's when all of a sudden it might be time yeah, to call you got in. A, you got a dogs. KBO final for me, please? <laughs> oh, and the, what was the first five innings? No. no I'm telling you, I, I feel Brad Brown, who's now at Channel 6, I, I I feel for him that he doesn't get to feel the, the surge of energy that comes with the late night calls of the degenerate gamblers about West Coast games. Uh, JMV is up next. He is on remote. He is at back nine. So if you want to go actually and have a cold one, Diet Coke as well is perfectly sufficient. Swing the club around a little bit. Have one of the great, beautiful facility just south of downtown. You have your opportunity to do, opportunity. Easy for me to say to do that. Uh, Matt Painter, head coach of the Boilermakers, who last night got that win over Northwestern, went over the century mark. Matt Painter is going to join John and do so in just about an hour. I think four o'clock is when John had told me that Matt Painter was going to be calling in. So that conversation will take place next. We are back tomorrow. Thanks again to Ben Shepard for his time. Primarily earlier on in the program, Anthony Leal as well. We're back at it noon tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Quarian Company.